This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection once by number at a time in order of release. This week, we're slapping on RoboVision and diving into a pool of blood, just rivers of blood, to take a gander at spine number 23, Paul Verhoeven's Robocop from 1987. But first, RJ, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm a little sluggish today. I uh, Yesterday, I uh, submitted my thesis, so I'm sure Yay. the listeners out Yay! I'm sure uh, our two fans out there will be uh, very happy to know that my talking about being busy with schoolwork is soon to be over. So, <sighs> yeah, I did that, and then I did the responsible thing. I got like a dozen donuts and uh, some cheeseburgers and a case of beer, and uh, I watched RoboCop, so... Um, not a bad little, not a bad little Tuesday. That's a, I guess. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too mm-hmm. bad at all. And then what, what did you do on Wednesday today? Uh, today I took, um, the afternoon off because, uh, as people know, I've, my life has just been a sluggish hell for the last little while. So I took the afternoon off and uh, I delved in deep for the fans cause I'm committed and I watched Robocop two and three and oh. I went on quite an adventure. Yeah. So well, well, we'll talk about that later on, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I did, I did it for you guys, all those listeners out there. So I'll, I'll let you know what I thought. Mm-hmm. But uh, how are you doing? Uh just it's just another day here in paradise. Uh, it's getting a little cool outside. Uh, yeah, it is. We, we've been having some pretty un, like unseasonably pleasant weather uh, the last two months. Honestly, yeah. um, usually you're looking at minus nine, kind of. I don't know why I picked nine of all numbers, but like, you know, minus nine, minus 10 uh, highs usually by this point of the year. But no, it's been like, even today, it was like, I think it was still like high of six or something like that, Mm -hmm. Um, which has been great for walking weather. So I've been, uh, went on a walk today. That was fantastic. Um, And uh, I guess like the best thing is that the work day passed like nothing. It's over with. And we're here now and we're talking about RoboCop here soon. So that's now your exciting. real life starts. That's right. My digital yeah. identity grows and grows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, hey, uh, now that you've had a little bit of time, uh, mm-hmm. now that the thesis has been uh, submitted, I see that you've had a little bit of time to watch some movies, non, non-creep non films. So what have you managed to creep on, RJ? Uh, I've actually been creeping on quite a bit, as you said. I had some free time, so I really tried to, uh, really tried to stuff them in there because I know that's what you like. I is, love uh, stuffing things in places. Stuffing, yeah. stuffing things. Uh, where, so, especially where they don't belong. Exactly. Kind of like a couple of the movies I watched. Um, <laughs> so uh, I started off with, um, I thought we'd uh, give a shout out to our our friend down in New Zealand, mm. a fan of the show. So I watched uh, a product of the, his home country, um, and it's 2010's Boy from director uh, Taiki Wakiki. And that is the correct pronunciation, as confirmed by a real New Zealander. So yep. uh, there you have it. Uh, so I think this was um, hopefully, one of his... And er- hopefully he's not dead from that like earthquake that happened in like a few days ago in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if if he doesn't ever email back in again, I guess we can confirm that uh, he's he went down with the ship. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, this was from 2010, and uh, I think it was one of his earlier films, not his first, like because I think he did no. yeah. like a bunch of shorts and stuff like that before. Yeah, there was the uh, like Flight of the Concord stuff that he would have directed, mm-hmm. and like Eagle versus Shark, which all predate that. 
Yeah, so I think this it was it was this one and then uh the what we do in the shadows and then wilder people. So yeah. Like in the middle of his directing career so far. Mm. But uh, I thought this movie was really good. Um I really liked it. It's got a similar um tone and kind of theme to wilder people where it's kind of like kids that are down on their luck. Like uh, in wilder people it's it's a kid who's orphaned, but in this one it's like a family of kids who uh, their mother passed and then their dad's in jail. So they're kind of just <clears throat> on their own. And then uh, Taiki Watiti actually acts in this one. He comes back as a our jailbird deadbeat dad. And uh, he kind of <laughs> uses the kids for his own means. Um, That's my favorite kind of dad. Jailbird deadbeat? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I can relate being a father. Oh, a father. Well, you do, yeah, you, you do have one. Warlock. Yes. He's of a different oh, species, I, but that I, doesn't I, matter. I treat that cat better than I'll treat any human baby. Exactly. So I, I meant that quite literally. But uh, no, yeah, uh, Boy was really good. Um, I think you would like it quite a bit, actually. It's a lot It's a lot grimier than mm. uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Like dirtier. Like you, yeah. you're watching it and you're just like, ooh, uh, mm. like these people are doing uh, dirty things. Like, and like not literal dirty, although the kids are, do get pretty dirty at sometimes digging through the mud and stuff. But just the stuff that the the dad does with his friends, you're just like, ooh, that's gre- gre- that's greasy. greasy. Yeah, yeah, a little greasy. So um, I, I thought it was really good. Uh, that's a big hard recommend there. I think that's out of like his three most recent that I just named. That's probably my favorite. Okay. And then maybe the the vampire one, and then wilder people. Mm. Although I do like them all quite a bit. So okay. The ranking is not much. Anyways. Cool. Let's just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. So then I watched uh, the most recent Ninja Turtles movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> Out of the Shadows. Yeah. Uh, and you laugh because yeah. why would I watch this? Um, well, I know why. Because <clears throat> you're a turtle. You're a shellhead. Is that is that what the turtle fans call themselves these days? I suppose people could say that. But uh, yes, I am a... I am a pretty dedicated Ninja Turtles fan, and you might ask, well, if you're so dedicated, why did you wait so long to watch this? Yeah, why weren't you at theater? I think it's because these new ones are complete garbage, and I don't want to support them in any way. (laughs) That's correct. Um, Yeah, but no, yeah, I'm a a big Ninja Turtles fan. Uh, The 1990 movie is like one of my all-time favorites. It's a perfect movie, and I know you're rolling your eyes, but I don't care. We're going to talk about it one day on on The Creeps because it's going to be added to the collection. So... Yeah. Anyways, mm. I don't I don't want your opinion on the 90s movie because I know that movie rules. But uh, so these new ones, I thought the first one in this series was just absolute garbage. Like, I think I think the look of it just really bugged me. And I know people would probably say to just get over that because like, what does it matter? But it really I just it looks gross. Um, they don't look good at all. The CGI is bad. It really takes me out of it. Um, so this one, the sequel uh, was a huge improvement. Uh, they really like just kind of go for it, like with the '80s cartoon feel. Um, it's got my boy Krang in there. I love Krang. It's mm-hmm. got Bebop and Rocksteady. So hey, what what does Krang in this movie look like? Uh, he, well, okay, they half did the android body, but it's like more of like a future robot. But mm. also, like the Krang brain isn't inside the body at all. It's always coming out of the body on like. Uh, tethered like so he doesn't corpse. have like a, so he doesn't have his like usual cubby hole inside of like a fat man's body he, he does but oh. he only spends like five seconds in it and then the rest of it it's out which seems really impractical because it makes him super vulnerable for attacks uh, yeah um, 
Yeah, and he, he was voiced by Brad Garrett, which I think is actually like a pretty good voice for him. But like he he does it in like uh shit. It's been like a week since I watched it, but I remember I really <laughs> didn't like it because he's not doing his real voice. He like changes it, changes it where he's like. Ugh. Um, exactly. I'm yep. sure everybody knows exactly what I mean. But yep. uh, they should have they should have went with uh, the most recent cartoon had a uh, Roseanne do it. So I think that would have been a good choice for this movie as well. Yep. Um. Anyways, uh, all all that stuff like they made it really goofy, which I thought was, or not goofy. Like they s- try to make it like the cartoon, which I appreciate. Um. There was actually some pretty good character stuff with like the brothers. I thought they did that stuff all really well, but it's it's just a bad movie. Like. The dialogue is bad. It's all exposition. Um, I, I hate the look, so that really pulls me out of it. Uh, Megan Fox is fine as, like, an actor. She sure but, is. Yeah, you pervert. Um, <laughs> she's fine as an actress, but, like, she really doesn't work for the role. Um, I She sucks. And then uh, the worst part is uh, Casey Jones, Stephen Amell from TV's Arrow. He is just so bad at acting. It's It's... He's so like dull and blank. You're just like, how how did this guy like land any leading roles? Like, I guess maybe an arrow because all the time he's just like he doesn't really have to do anything. He's always acting very like stoic and like I, I'm so scorned from my past. I have no emotions anymore. But that's just kind of how he seems like he is in real life. So, but is he hot in it? Pff, hardly. He doesn't even take his shirt off once. Boo. So there's no there's no hot abs at all. Oh. Uh, Fox takes off her shirt once, but she doesn't have abs. Yeah. So lame. Yeah, so lame. Yeah, I don't know. But hey, how does uh, WWE superstar Seamus fare in this film? He's in it for like, I don't know, less than two minutes as like a real person. And then he gets transformed into the CGI rock steady. So does he call anyone fella? Maybe. I don't know. Well, you weren't uh, paying close enough attention. I guess this merits you rewatching this piece of shit. <laughs> Uh, I would re- rewatch this one over the first one. I'll okay. never watch that first one. Uh, that <laughs> one is so bad. I think I gave it a Man. half a star just because uh, if I were to leave it with an un- without a rating, people would be like, oh, he just didn't rate it. But no, that movie deserves a zero. Yeah. Because so, what movie did we saw something and we saw the trailer for this. And I remember like I've I've never watched a trailer for any of the Ninja Turtle movies, these yeah. recent ones. And uh, I remember just being like really like off put by like how they've made like because i guess like the ninja turtles back in the like the early 90s cartoon stuff they were like surfers and Mm -hmm. uh but now it's like now they're urban people uh and it's just like weird and like oh this is kind of questionable and it's like oh it's michael bay and it's like yeah he likes to put those urban characters and like yeah we'll make these two cars black people Mm -hmm. and they talk like that and they're funny and it's just like i was gonna ask for you to clarify what you mean by urban (laughs) yeah yeah urban that's the marketing term right (laughs) yeah that is kind of the shtick in this one as well so um yeah i don't know they made them urban and then they made splinter really fucking gross which i don't understand at all what what do you mean (laughs) He's so gross. He's like slimy and has like boils and like you're just looking at him with like sa- saggy, saggy like folding skin. Does he have flaps? <laughs> Pretty much. Like they just made him like as disgusting as they fucking possibly could. And uh, as if anyone has been listening to past episodes, you know that I have spent a lot of time with rats and uh, they're very – um, they're very nice little animals. They're cute. They're mm-hmm. very affectionate. Uh, I have a – 
uh, a big fondness for them more than other people do. So I, I can see the the uh, the cuteness there, but uh, I don't know, man. It's just like other movies that put stigmas on rats because people think rats are supposed to be gross, I guess. But he's so gross. Like just, <laughs> uh, I don't, is, is I don't he know CGI? why. Is he CGI? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, fig- I figured as much, but. Everything's CGI in this movie. Like there's a 20 minute segment where they're down in like their lair. And I swear to God, like none of it is real at all. It's all, it's just all CGI. And yep. like, that's fine. Some people are fine with that, but. I don't know. I hate it. Oh, so. hey, uh, speaking of CGI crap, uh, did you watch that Beauty and the Beast trailer? <laughs> uh, I saw. I knew you – I thought you might uh, have something to say about that. I didn't watch it, but I saw a still of Beast, and I was like, Ugh, I don't like the way he looks. He looks too pretty. He doesn't look yeah. like a beast at all. Yeah, um, so I, I, I had to watch it because we've talked about it on the show before, and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I guess I'll – follow this one through um yeah it just it looks like crap uh like it just really flat uh uninspired look to the movie which like it kept making me think like how um the problem with a lot of these movies is that they don't have like depth of field like all the, all the cinematography like i watch like older movies and you can always get this sense of place but because everything is being made inside of like computers and mm-hmm. uh, actors just kind of performing in front of nothing nothing there's like no there's it's everything is made up by guys that think they know how the world looks and so they're constructing it based on this like kind of weird memory but there's like Mm -hmm. no actual like i don't know presence like people don't go to sites and go hey what does this space actually look like and then film it they're just creating backgrounds and so everything looks Mm -hmm. everything looks the exact same it's all flat there's no like like I said, like it's like depth of field. Uh, there's no, I don't know. There's no sense of like anything going beyond exactly what's just placed in front of you. And right. I, I think that's what is so hideous about th- these types of movies, which we'll yep. be bringing about when I mention uh, watching the RoboCop remake. <laughs> oh yeah, that'll be fun actually. I, yeah. uh, I'm curious to hear what you say. But just uh, really quickly about CGI. Did I ever tell you that story about Ian McKellen on this uh, on one of the Hobbit movies? No. It was it was like the third one, I guess. There's a story that came out where like he was just acting in front of in like a big green room with like green tables and shit and he was completely by himself and he was like it was a whole day of shooting because like there was a bunch of scenes he had to film mm-hmm. and like I guess at one point he just he like broke down and started crying and he was like he was like this is not why I got into acting and he just like <laughs> left the set so uh if anyone was curious about the those Hobbit movies um it made Ian McKellen cry so Boo. So there you go. And he's knighted, I believe. So Yeah. Um He knows so, what he's talking about. Yeah, he does. He's he knows a thing. But mm. uh and then I watched one last movie, but uh I watched that with you actually. So maybe yeah. I'll, I'll send it back your way and we'll, we'll we'll get to that in due time. Well, dear listeners, as you might have picked up uh before, uh RJ here is a big Mel Gibson fan, and you might have also heard that Mel Gibson has a movie in theater called Hacksaw Ridge. And so mm-hmm. Uh, RJ had a gap in his sketch and I always have time to go watch movies. So we went and took a trip to the local theater and we saw ourselves some Hacksaw Ridge. Um, we haven't, and we haven't really just talked about this movie between us really. Um, we, 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 we we saved it for the podcast. Mm -hmm. This is, this is a a fresh hot takes, uh, even though we watched the movie several days ago. Um, so my opinion of this movie is that I'm really split because mm-hmm. I think the first hour of this movie is pretty uh, cornball and like yeah. pretty bad in some ways. Like like not like awful, awful, but like pretty generic mm-hmm. filmmaking. Um, 
because like, yeah, so the, the movie is about man, he's a soldier and he doesn't like to kill people and he doesn't want to kill people, but he still wants to make a difference in the war, World mm-hmm. War Two. This is, of course, based on a true story. And so uh, the first, I don't know. 10, 15 minutes of the movie is about him being a kid and almost killing his brother by accident. And he really takes that one commandment about not killing to heart. Uh, Hugo uh, Weaving is his dad, who looks kind of like Sam Neill. Uh, I kept thinking of Sam mm-hmm. Neill uh, when I yep. saw him. Um, Talking about old and wrinkled. like and then, and then he grows up and turns into Andrew Garfield, who I find just distracting on a large screen. He oh, just, come on. He's goofy looking. He's handsome. No, he's he not. just has a turkey neck. That's all. No, he's like he's a turkey. No, he's just goofy looking. I don't know. He's especially when he's playing a Virginian and he gets to do it with that accent because he's from Virginia. Uh, yeah. So what, whatever. He, I think he's charming. Uh, the so I just kept noticing in this movie how I didn't like the way this movie was shot. It could have been shot yeah. far better. Um, and then he gets to meet a nurse and and fall in love and want to get married to her because that gives it more gravitas, I suppose. And like makes him relatable to, uh, audience members. I, I couldn't have given a shit. And I don't think Mel Gibson gave a shit either, except that he has to check those boxes. Um, and then he, uh, enlists, uh, to go kill Japs. Uh, overseas and uh, we get to go through the process of him training up to become a soldier but he doesn't want to fire guns and so of course Mm -hmm. the brass rides his ass um, because he must be crazy because it's like killing's not wrong when you're in the war and blah 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 that sort of line of thinking which is kind of goofy Um, Mm -hmm. but you know it's like that's the point of showing how brainwashed people can be when it comes to this sort of stuff and questioning it makes you look crazy i get that stuff i like that idea but in this movie it's handled pretty i don't know pretty obviously um and then of course he beats the odds he beats a uh what do you call it a court martial but of course like hilariously his uh old hugo weaving shows up with a letter just in time and the letter gets read and they go well you're okay and that's that everyone says yes he did it he did it, and then and then uh, that's so that's uh, takes you about an hour in. Oh yeah, by the way, spoilers. <laughs> oh. uh, I but, think people would kind of know what happened. Yeah, and so uh, the next hour of this film is, I think, when Mel Gibson became interested uh, in this project because it is wall to wall mayhem, guts, yeah. gore, slaughter, left and right. Because if there's one thing Mel Gibson does incredibly well is that's laying out action scenes and making them as grotesque and kind of viscerally upsetting as possible. Uh, so yeah, uh, this, uh, this includes a scene where, uh, one man picks up the torso of another man who's been torn in half from just being like, I don't know, shelled and Mm -hmm. shot up and he starts carrying this dead body and using it as a shield. Yeah, which is amazing. Um, which and, is uh, something. Uh, it's fucking amazing. And it, that's why uh, Mel Gibson was quoted last week saying uh, he thinks Marvel movies are more violent than his own. 
Yeah, well, we all remember that scene where uh, Captain America pulled up the, I don't know, the, the dismembered corpse of Hawkeye and started running through the battlefield fighting Ultron battle soldiers. We all remember that. And, like, it yeah, really yeah, it yeah. really outdid Mel here in Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you see, like, men's faces just get, like, torn apart from bullets. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, people just getting blowtorched, set afire, and just screaming yeah. in agony. And just, um, I don't know. Essentially, it's... Uh, Mel's, I think, trying to set up this idea of just like, how the fuck does anyone survive in this like environment? Like, like the, the all your training, all that just goes out the window. Um, yep. You're just like, what? What is this? Like, nothing you could have trained for could have possibly prepared you for this sort of combat. Chaos. Um, yeah, and so we had to follow uh, Andrew Garfield as he gets to be a medic uh, to these to these people who are getting torn apart and kind of yep. how. Um, kind of pointless at times that might feel because it's like, yep. well, no matter who I help, they, they're not going to make it or mm-hmm. their lives are kind of ruined. Um, and not only that, I might die at any moment too. So what's the point of it all? Right. Um, but yeah, that's that second hour is like pretty amazing piece of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it like just sucks you right in. Um, like, yeah, it's like, it's a really great piece. Like, I mean, I don't know when I was watching, I was like, really where I'm like, man, this movie just wants you to like go out and like kill some foreigners, kill some, yeah. some, some, some enemy combatants. Like it just wants you to go out there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't think that's what this movie is supposed to be about, but I mean, it's uh, it's like that problem with like the uh, making like an anti-war movie, I suppose. Like it always yeah. comes down to things like something like Saving Private Ryan, um, uh, like Paz of yeah. Glory. Like these films, like always inevitably glorify war to a certain point because the, the uh, war movie is ostensibly trying to also be entertaining, and uh, like right. and war lends itself to like, dr- like. Uh, dramaturgy or uh like it's Ooh. i don't know yeah that's a ten dollar uh, word damn right uh so like i mean th- these things always lend themselves to, and you want to do as good a job as possible like showing combat and you can do it excitingly because it's exciting um yep. so but it draws people in in this weird way where you're like yeah i'm really rooting for this um and then of course there's always like the 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 fallback to that is always like watching like the wounded kind of squirming around in their own guts and like writhing mm-hmm. in pain and that's supposed to be like man war's terrible huh and it always kind of feels like an afterthought <laughs> well in this story that's kind of the like main thrust of it is kind of this idea of like uh like um uh, what's his name what's the main character's name in this Oh, Desmond Doss. Doss. How, yes. could, how could you forget it? They Doss. say like nine hundred fucking times. Well, I, see, I, I, when I heard it, Doss, I heard it was like D A W E S, but then I found out it was just uh, D O S S, and I was like, what was Doss. it? So yeah, oh, Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss. So yeah, the whole the whole uh, gimmick, I guess, of the movie is the, this. I guess like the final act of the movie is him being left on, on top of this like mountain face where like people have just been run down and slaughtered and everyone else has fled and he's stayed behind and he's going to get all these poor men out and he manages to yep. haul out uh an alleged 75 people uh over mm-hmm. the course of like a day or something like that which is nuts um <laughs> yeah and like yeah like that that part of the movie i thought was like really like yeah like this like obviously this is this thing that like on top of the blood and guts, this is the stuff that Mel Gibson was all about. So that first hour is just trash. Um, but I guess it's people think it's necessary to tell movies like that because you need to have this build up, set up stuff. Um, mm-hmm. One of the movies I watched earlier this year, uh, Sergeant York, the one Howard Hawks movie, it was kind of like the same idea of like this uh, guy coming from like a small town and like being raised like in this like kind of like Christian backdrop or something like that. And this idea of going to war and like doing what's right for your country and whatnot. 
And like, I mean, that movie's like completely forgettable. Um, yeah. Some people love that stuff, though. I was reading one guy's review, uh, Richard Brody, Richard the New Yorker, and like he was like saying like how it's like such a superior opening. I'm like, well, yeah, because like I don't think Mel Gibson gave a crap about that first hour. It, it was like the the sluggish yep. stuff that's always in screenplays that we have to just kind of get it out of the way. But yep. it doesn't have a lot of depth. I mean, the sort of movie that would it would have to be to have that depth, people aren't going to see that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Uh, that's kind of my feeling on it. And what did you think, RJ? Because I think you like this quite a bit more than I did. I'm just kind of like okay with it. Like that yep. first hour is like, or that second hour is like pretty entertaining stuff. But mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a mess of a movie. Uh, and I don't know what's, I don't know what Mel was going for. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, I do agree with you. I think the first hour is pretty bland. Um, but when they get to Japan, though, that is the, the dopest shit. That whole hour is so rad. Um, I love that stuff. Uh, but I, I will I will get your back here a little bit. It is kind of a mess. And I suspect that the reason the movie is like that and the reason the first hour is like that is because Mel had to like do that stuff because this is like his first movie coming back, yep. getting out of like persona non grata. Like he's, he's finally made it through. So he had to like do something safe that like could appeal to <laughs> – the like i don't know like Mm -hmm. 50 year old people like you know the people who are gonna go see this movie over the veterans weekend well yeah when we went and we did go over uh yeah remembrance day weekend weekend, and there was like a bunch of like like 60 year old like couples that were at this Mm -hmm. movie and i mean they were yucking it up at all those lame cornball jokes in the first hour like they they liked that Mm -hmm. stuff like they were totally like i think like this is fine this is what we like um the thing i kept thinking about was um yeah, from Arrested Development, the cornballer mm-hmm. machine. <laughs> like, yeah. And just, like, mid people burning their hands. <laughs> I don't know. I just, like, yeah. I was not really that's into, a, like... That's a weird jump. I don't know. I was into that that first hour. I just kept thinking, like, man, this is, like, like him talking his face. Mm-hmm. And they kept... Oh, man. I was not a fan. Um, the one in the second hour, the, the, the best part of the movie, there is the one scene that I just, like, I thought that it got into goofball territory. And it's yeah. when he goes to save Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that uh, seems pretty funny. Because I, I knew it was coming. I knew Vince yeah. Vaughn. They were all. It was like the big bill to him. Because like at the whole time, like no, Vince Vaughn's still up there. They, mm-hmm. they 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 never got him down. They haven't like made a big deal about Vince Vaughn being dead or being like. Uh, brought down yet i'm like oh here it comes and of course like he's the last guy he gets out of there Mm -hmm. and of course just as he's getting to him and he's like he's been shot up so he can't move on his own so he has to like uh, take a rifle wrap a blanket around it so he can kind of create like a rug to drag him along that's when some Mm -hmm. japanese show up rj and of course which, which which gets us to this like horrendous action scene where vince vaughn gets to like uh lay on this blanket uh, with like his like facing t- toward the back, and then the Japanese guys start coming running and firing. And of course, Vince Vaughn's got a gun and he's firing mm-hmm. at him. It's just like uh, some bad video game sequence. <laughs> and uh, you have to like you have to like drag uh, Vince Vaughn. He's like, cover me! Oh God, mm-hmm. go fast! I-, I just was imagining his like commands to me as I played this game, and he's like taking out the Japs. Oh, it's it's like well, mm-hmm. of course we had to have like one more action piece, and it's just goofy and then and, and okay yeah. and then like after that after he's like got everyone down and he's come down and he can't believe he's how much all this work he's done and he wishes he could do more and uh and then they go back up 
And that's when they're, they're really taking it now to the Japanese soldiers that are left oh, up yeah. there. And there's like a bit where like, of course, like the duplicitous Japanese, they, they pretend to surrender. But in fact, oh, no, they got grenades. They're going to take out these good Americans. And then we mm-hmm. get CGI Andrew Garfield doing a Captain America <laughs> flying drop kick, spin kick yeah. thing. Uh, Insiguri to uh, a grenade, kicking it away and it explodes. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. that un- How do you know that's not what happened? Unnecessary. Un- How do you know that's unnecessary. not exactly what happened? <laughs> and then there's after, witnesses. And, and then after that, then it's like his only thought was my bobble, my bobble, go get my bobble back. And then of course, the guys, like, yeah, I'll go get it. I'm gonna go wade back into goddamn fucking people shooting at me to mm-hmm. get your goddamn piece of Bible shit. And it's just oh, like, geez. oh motherfucker. And then you get the scene with Andrew Garfield being lowered down. He's done his work. His job is done. And you get this like bad like compositing of him floating on this like weird gray like sky and the camera like way mm-hmm. way too long floating around him then going under him as he's being lowered it's pretty sloppy and then the movie is ends right and then it cuts to yeah, the it, uh, it cuts to the uh saving private ryan uh talking heads documentary stuff from like when they were interviewing the veterans um like in the early 2000s and it's just like mm-hmm. the same thing from like Band of Brothers and they get to tell their stories and it's like, wow, that story they told is just like in that scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the movie ends and that's it. And you never see uh, his girlfriend wife ever again because she didn't matter <laughs> at all. No. She didn't at one bit. It, it was just precursor for yeah. uh, his motivation or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, it sounds like you got some animosity towards this uh, this piece of film. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, it's kind of a response to the fact that I see a lot of people like really like talking about how good this movie is, and uh, I, you're you're a contrarian. Yes, I am. I am a contrarian at heart. Yeah. So, um, well, but I don't know. Yeah, I will say this. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Uh, I think the issues that you have, I don't think it's Mel's fault. I think he had to do that to play it safe to get it back in. And then I think where he really shines, as you said, is when people are just carrying torsos of other bodies just fucking tearing up the joint because those action sequences are incredible like i I think he really nails like what world like trench warfare would have been like i guess like because it it does seem like like you're saying it's like chaotic but there's like some sort of organization but it doesn't really matter because like you were saying like with the training like it doesn't none of it even matters anymore because like even like the hot shot dude who was like the big buff bad baddie at the training camp like he was the best soldier they had and he still just got wasted like mm-hmm. just basically randomly um but no yeah i think i think like the action stuff was great that's why i love mel gibson like his directing uh i think so and i think the other stuff he played it safe but the big thing here jared yeah is that with hacksaw ridge and with Bloodfather. We are finally back with the fallen sun. He is risen. He is back. And we finally have Mel Gibson uh, to steer us into the light again. So I think that is the real victory of this um, because he's going to be in a bunch. He's going to be acting in a bunch of more stuff, which is awesome because he's fucking amazing an actor. And he's going to be directing a bunch more stuff because I saw in a, uh, I watched a couple of interviews with him promoting this deal. And he said that in his 10 uh, year hiatus, he had wrote four scripts. So uh, yeah, I, I he can't had time. 
Yeah, time, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he wrote four scripts, and then uh, one of them will be uh, the Passion sequel, which also sounds awesome because it's going to be like purgatory and hell and little devil uh, midget baby things. It's going oh, to uh, be fucking awesome. My, my so, fear I'm so that, jacked. Yeah, my fear with that, though, is like, I don't know. That seems like something that is not in Mel's forte. Uh, like, like yeah. I never think like, you know, who'd really be a great director to depict hell and purgatory Mel Gibson. No, that's Gibson. never, that's never crossed my mind at all. Um, like, I, I, I fear that it'll go down the road of like what, uh, what dreams may come. Um, and I, I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be under, I don't know. I just fear what that movie would be. I'd rather him do like, do what he does. Make, make bloody gory, uh, action movies. That that's cool. Yep. Yeah. Hey, I'm pretty sure uh, if he made a sequel to The Passion, it would probably be a bloody gory action movie. So uh, I hope so. I, that'd be yeah. wicked. Uh, it's like Apocalypto, but with Jesus and in with hell. Jesus. Fuck yeah. See how amazing does that sound? I bet he does it. Uh, but then it's like, well, who are the devils going to be? Are they going to be Jews? Jews. <laughs> oh, man. Who, who else would it be, of course? Yeah. And then, be a bunch and, of guys then, named Rosenblatt and Gildelstein, oh, and they'll have oh big noise, uh, noises. Mm. It'll be awesome. Well, you've been listening to the alt-right radio station. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not saying I endorse any of that uh. stuff, but I am saying that I think Mel Gibson's awesome. Okay. So you take that as it is, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so that's our that's our coverage of Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so what wow. about you? you yeah. You got any other creeps? Yeah, I watched some stuff. Uh, I, I basically I came up with a... Uh, trilogy of viewing uh, with some friends. Uh, we watched ourselves some ninja movies, RJ. Ninja uh, Turtles? Uh, nope, nope. Yeah, the, I guess, yeah, we've all been watching ninja movies, but I've been watching uh, movies about real ninjas and fake ninjas, uh, movies that barely have ninjas in them, uh, mm-hmm. movies that are like con jobs <laughs> like in themselves. Uh, so anyway, so I, we started off watching American Ninja which is a Canon Films uh, production from the 80s starring sure. uh, Mr. Michael Dudikoff. And mm-hmm. uh, that movie, uh, I'm not a fan of, mostly just because it really cheaps out on the gore and the violence, which right. uh, in a week where I've watched Hacksaw Ridge and Robocop, uh, mm-hmm. this is uh, even more like frustrating because it's like there's yeah. no excuse, particularly since American Ninja came out in the era of like R-rated Robocop. blood and guts. Yeah, so... Uh, the movie is like I couldn't even tell you much about anything about it. It's pretty forgettable stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But we also watched a, a shot on video gem called American Commando Ninja. Don't get confused here. Uh, so uh, American Commando okay. Ninja got uh, brought to my attention by uh, a friend of mine uh, who's uh, quite the connoisseur of shot on video uh, films, uh, mostly more of the horror line. But he, mm-hmm. when I was asking him for recommendations. Uh, during October, he also threw out this American Commando Ninja. I'm like, oh, that, that mm-hmm. sounds right up my alley. So I uh, came across this on YouTube. And uh, I didn't really read anything about this. But uh, it turns out this is kind of a, how would I say? It's been story supervised by one Godfrey Ho, who I don't know if you've ever heard of Godfrey Ho. But he's sort of like the King Schlockmeister of like, Southeast Asia cinema like he just would like mm-hmm. make like crap 
complete crap action movies that are utterly generic made with no money but he would also like just reuse footage over and over and over again and create new movies just mm-hmm. out of like two movies and just go with that and then he'd shoot like maybe like 10-15 minutes of new footage and just like create stories out of whole cloth um, so American Commando Ninja is actually I don't even think he shot it or anyone really shot it it was um, uh, supposedly like two episodes of like this like Taiwanese television show that was shot on video so I mean like mm-hmm. for a shot on video film it, like it doesn't actually look bad and the editing and like kind of composition are pretty professional just because I imagine like it was like legit like uh, like film industry people working on this they just had like cheap equipment but I mean yeah. th- th- at the same time these movies are just like uh, lo- these like lots of uh, Taiwanese guys walking around in like bright colored monocolored t-shirts and short shorts and just like uh, the epitome of like late 80s uh, fashion uh, abounding mm-hmm. lots of big floppy hair um, women with big uh, earlings and yeah. it, it, there's just some sort of like nonsense story about ninjas and I again I couldn't ex- describe anything that I watched in this movie that I watched a few days ago like I think there's like a Japanese guy who's got a uh, experiment that he's been working on and he's like or he's kind of like a notorious war criminal in like yeah. Taiwan and like everybody wants him because some people want to make him pay other people like want his research to stop other people want to use the research to deploy his weapons on their enemies and uh-huh. just good guys show up bad guys show up and they're all vying for him and there's like big baggy shorts everywhere and just people uh, doing their thing uh, ninja movies, RJ. <laughs> am ninja I am movies. I am I really selling you on these? <laughs> oh man, does this sound good? Yeah. Uh, and then so <laughs> as we were watching American Commando Ninja, I decided yeah. to like look up other ninja movies via like letterbox lists for ninjas. Uh, mm-hmm. And this one came ac- I came across had this title called Mafia versus Ninja, and I was like, hmm, that sounds enticing. <laughs> and it, sounds re- okay. it, it had a nice poster. And then I was like looking it up, and like this film's got like several five star reviews and people just like kind of celebrating it for being like uh, so bad it's good type of thing and I'm, right. I'll always give those a try because at least they'll be entertaining and it definitely was uh, a highlight of the ninja films that we watched um, right so Mafia versus Ninja, uh, it starts off with a guy coming into town. Uh, another guy attacks him because he thinks that he's the uh, rapist that's been attacking women in this alley. Uh, but that has nothing to do with anything because they never go back to that as a plot point whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but they become friends, and then they kind of join with a local like uh, boss, like a gangster boss, and become uh, heavies for him. But he turns out to be not such a bad guy because at least he's Chinese because those damn Japanese are moving in. And, oh, um, shit. Yeah. Did Mel Gibson direct this one? Uh, not that I'm aware of. But you can't say that he I didn't, though. I can't. I don't okay. know where Mel was uh, during the making of Mafia vs. Ninja in right. the early 80s. Probably making sure. lethal, making something, not this. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, you, you get the classic setup of, like, no, there's, like, no mafia at all in this film. It's actually, like, the triad. And, um, yeah, they fight the ninjas. Not even Yakuza. They're just fighting these this, like, fat Japanese guy and his, like, band of like international mercenary fighters so there's like mm-hmm. uh your uh 
uh, black guy from America, an Italian guy, uh, a samurai guy who's got a Hitler mustache, which uh, Ooh, was fun. Was pretty good. And then there's like another like kind of generic martial artist uh, Asian man, and just like you, just like me. And there's yeah. fi- there's fight scenes. Uh, one of the highlights is they go to a like. I guess it turns out to be a whites-only club in Shanghai. Mm. <laughs> and they're told, get out of here, you damn chinks. And, uh, and of course, the, those guys get their asses kicked um, because they're bad white people. <laughs> um, Just like you. The, the big final battle is pretty cool. There's, like, underground. So, again, ninjas don't really show up into this movie till like, the last act. Uh, there's some, like, underground burrowing ninjas. And so that mm-hmm. this is symbolized by, like, just piles of leaves being dragged around on string. And this symbolizes them being traveling under the ground. And then they burst out of from under the ground, and there's fight scenes. At one point, our hero is using a tree as a weapon. He just Ooh. he uproots a tree and is just swinging it wildly. And of course, when it crosses uh, paths with a you know ninja sword, it makes a clanging sound because apparently trees are also <laughs> made out of metal. Um, Some trees might be. Yeah, you Some. can't uh, you can't say definitively that every tree is made of wood. <laughs> Fair enough. Just like I can't say <laughs> Mel Gibson didn't direct this. Um, exactly. So anyway, yeah, that was my. Uh, trip through ninja cinema um i don't know if i'm in a rush to get back into ninja Mm -hmm. movies they're definitely easy watching they just kind of are there to pass the time they're good you know you can have them in the background you look Mm -hmm. up chuckle uh look and see what's going on on letterboxd or happening on the news uh which i do believe i was doing at the time but hey what uh yes speaking of news what were you gonna say (laughs) I was gonna say, is that one of those magazine movies? I yeah, about? yeah. See, I don't, okay. I don't, I don't uh, have magazines, but I do have uh, an iPod with uh, Wi-Fi access. So there you go. It's like the digital magazine movie. So when are you gonna get to that Ninja Turtles movies? Uh, never. Nope, never. No. Okay. You know who's not not gonna get around to watching those either? Who? Leonard Cohen. Oh, Jared. Because no. it, it wasn't a month ago that we were making jokes about how Leonard Cohen said he was whoa, ready whoa, to whoa. die. Whoa. And don't, he's don't now say in, we. we. We are, Jay. And uh, you laughed. You were chuckling. And, I had no and now, part of and now, and now those laughs have turned to tears as Leonard Cohen died uh, last week. I just want to take a, a second to distance myself from the remarks and opinions of uh, Jared uh, Fillmore Duncan. Uh, I in no way share his sentiments about uh, the brevity of Leonard Cohen's death. So there you go. All right, then. Or the levity, not brevity. What am I talking about? I'm drunk. Um, so anyway, yeah, Leonard Cohen actually did die. He called his death. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it sucks. Like this is the year yeah. that like music died. Um, all the all our classic favorite acts that got over in an era when music was better, they're mm-hmm. all just dropping off like flies. Um, I guess I'm. I mean, I haven't listened to a, like a new Leonard Cohen song for a long time. Um, I like his older stuff, his earlier funnier stuff, and uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. It sucks though. It's too bad when someone dies. Um, I don't know who's next, RJ. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think either of us are pretty, pretty like high up on the well, odds. Uh, let me tell RJ, let me tell you, I can guarantee you that bo- we are both going to die one day. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't it. doubt it. Like I know you're you well, know, you, you shouldn't doubt it. You're, you're a well-learned man. So I, <laughs> you, I, I bet it will happen. You, you need to accept it. It's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I think on my diet of uh, donuts, 
uh, beer and cheeseburgers, I think I do pretty good. So I might live forever. That, yeah, you'll preserve all those uh, precious organs with a nice layer of grease and you'll, the, be, the, you'll be good. Solely on the amount of pepperoni I eat, I don't think my body will ever uh, decompose because of the sulfates and just all that stuff. I'm going to be good for a long time. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Well, my my other piece of news uh, is in regards to Criterion. <laughs> of course, you know, Ooh. jumping right from Leonard Cohen being dead to, hey, here's some things you can buy in three months. Uh, the way he would have wanted it. I think so. Um, so uh, Criterion made their announcements for their February 2017 releases. Um, mm-hmm. One of those, I thought they, really, they actually did announce the previous month, but uh, I guess they pushed it back. That Tree of Wooden Clogs, if you remember that cool title. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Yep. And then uh, their other announcements uh, was a film called Camera Person from t- uh, this year, 2016, uh, mm-hmm. directed by one Kirsten Johnson. I don't know anything about it. Uh, leave it at that. Uh, and then right. they also announced uh, Mildred Pierce, which is a classy film from 1945, directed by Michael Curtis. Uh, I think I've got this on like a uh, TCM four pack with a bunch of other, uh, I think it was like the Mother's Collection. Um, and I've heard Mildred Pierce is really good. I haven't got around to watching it. Um, I'll probably mm-hmm. just stick to my DVD of it until I watch it and maybe I'm, my mind is blown and I'm like, right. wow, I need to own this on Blu-ray. But we'll we'll see. Um, there's no real rush on that one. But the thing that I'm actually excited for is they mm-hmm. finally have announced and are releasing the Before Trilogy, uh, directed uh-huh. by Richard Linklater. Mm-hmm. So we'll be getting all that Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy action that you've always wanted. Um, in fact, I, 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 yeah. In fact, uh, as of uh, earlier today, uh, Amazon.com had the Before Trilogy on a ridiculous deal where they have mispriced it, just like they did with the Lone Wolf and Cub uh, Blu-ray oh, set, right. set, which I just actually got in the mail today. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it's like it's I'm assuming Before Trilogy is probably an expensive-ish set, like. Like three, 90 bucks? Yeah. And so they actually put it at the price that they put like a single criterion at, which is thirty nine yep. ninety nine. That's the full retail price. Ooh. And they put the box set up at thirty nine ninety nine. So right. I just jumped on that and pre-ordered that bad boy. Do you think they're going to honor that? They did. They they honored it with Lone Wolf and Cub because that was a hundred bucks shit. and they, they accidentally listed it at 40 bucks. And uh, Why didn't you tell me about that? Because you have no money. Huh? And look well, at the, yeah. And there it is. <laughs> but I mean, if I had heard that I could have got the Lone Wolf and Cub for forty bucks, maybe I would have jumped onto that. But but you have no money, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, but I have like, um, I have no money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that uh, that definitely is a mistake um, because I was just thinking the uh, the Guillermo del Toro trilogy just came out. And that's priced at like ninety or a hundred dollars. So the before will surely be around ninety or a hundred yeah. as well. Um, have you seen any of the before movies? I've seen all of those. Oh, you have. Okay, we never really yeah. talked about those. I like those. No, movies well, a I don't lot. like talking to you about stuff. That's true. Yeah, uh, I, like I think those secrets. movies are pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched them with Andrea like a year ago, okay. and she re- she really liked them, and I liked them as well. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're good. I think they're, yeah. I mean, Richard Linklater, he's uneven, but when he's great, he's great. And mm-hmm. when he's not, he's meh. His boyhood? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, boyhood, yeah, you won't never, yeah. Boy, well, I guess doing we'll the show, we'll day. have to cover it one day. Yeah, because now they're yep. cranking out those Linklater films. Yeah, but that won't be for like 15 years, so yeah. well, maybe and, our opinion of well, that movie will change by then. 
I'll be dead and you'll be fine because you've been eating all those cheeseburgers and donuts and beers. Pepperoni. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I got it all figured out. You will be the criterion creep. Yes. I will be the sole one, but I will, I will reenact all of your parts and I'll be like, Hey Jarrett, how's it going? And then you, and I'll be like, Oh, it's so cool. I just ate some donuts and pepperoni. Oh no, wait, shit. That's my, that's my (laughs) shit. Yeah. Well, now, now you'll know what the show would be like without you. So oh, there you go, folks. Better hope that I stick around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, do you have any news there? Uh, I got a ton of news with your bad diet. I got a ton of news for you, buddy. Go for it. Uh, I got one thing of news which is actually super topical. Uh, Paul Verhoeven was in the news today. Oh, what did, you, you, what did he do? He didn't do anything actually. Oh, he was just good. commented. Um, so, uh, as people know, Paul Verhoeven, uh, all-star director of movies like RoboCop, Total Recall, and also Starship Troopers, uh, they're they're planning to remake Starship Troopers, and uh, they say that they want to make it more like the novel uh, by Robert A. Heinlein. And yeah. uh, uh, Verhoeven was talking about like when they made it and how Sony was like. Uh, all the pe- like people in charge were getting fired and put back on every couple months. So like they kind of just got Starship Troopers made under the radar. No one really noticed. But uh, he was saying that they they really liked the novel, but they were trying to move away from it because it was too uh, fascist and militaristic. Uh, and he says maybe it would be perfect now with the Trump presidency if the movie was more stuck to the novel. So uh, I thought that was pretty topical. He's talking about things. So I I, I didn't even know that they're remaking this. So that's kind of huh. weird. Yeah, I I um, hadn't heard anything about it. I don't know how I don't know how valuable that property is these days. Um, I know people love that movie. It seems or hate it like me. But hey, mm-hmm. yep. Well, we'll cover it one day as a creep. But uh, in related news, talking about Robert A. Heinlein, uh, one of his other books just got uh, set to become a tv series at sci-fi that's stranger in a strange land mm. the uh seminal uh science fiction Whoa. novel from robert a Heinlein. rj's busting out the fancy words now ten dollar words all, all, baby. All, all that fancy talk yeah all that fancy talk uh i have never read this book but uh my roommate scott did get me uh the, a t-shirt with the cover on it one year for my birthday and uh, the book as well so uh i'll read it uh soon and i'll talk about it because i know you don't uh want me talking about books but i don't care man because oh, i'm a talk about <laughs> you can talk about books which by the way i forgot to mention i finished contact the book yeah yeah it was rad i liked it it's got aliens in it mm-hmm. it's got numbers and math so it was pretty cool when, oh, that's yeah, all hey, i'm gonna say about that when are we gonna see the arrival mr alien uh probably as soon as we can i guess like within the next seven days for sure nice nice uh, people can look forward to that things. go for it yeah, yeah, fucking right. So we're gonna next episode probably we'll talk about Arrival, and I'll tell you I'll watch some other Alien movies in prep. Okay, like Sex Aliens, the number two, that movie that you sent me earlier. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I heard today that uh, your buddy Fide Alvarez is working on a sequel to uh, his recent hit uh, "Don't Breathe," which um, sounds like a horrible idea. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was inevitable, and I think that's what people didn't like about the first one. So was that it set up that weird yeah. sequel that nobody wants? Yeah, but it, it made enough money for a horror movie that it just has to be turned into a franchise, I guess, or a series. Like yippee, <laughs> so that I I, uh, 
I think that'll be bad, but I thought I'd bring it up to you. And cool. then there was one other thing. Did you see today? Like, you know, they made that new King Kong movie, uh, Skull Island. Yep. With my buddy, my personal friend, John Goodman, is going to be in that fucking movie. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Well, we got to go see it just for uh, John Goodman. Nah. <laughs> oh, well, I'll go see it for John Goodman. But uh, they put a poster out today, and it showed, like, the size of King Kong, and he is fucking huge. Like, I don't think he's ever been that big. He's, like, because I think normally he's, like, what would you say, like, a, a, a quarter of the size of, like, the Empire State Building? Oh, like, smaller than that. Smaller than that? Like, smaller than a quarter? So you know how big he is now? Yeah. At least twice the size of the Empire State Building. What? <laughs> Look up the poster. It's fuck. He is fucking gigantic. Oh, like, I'm, I'm, is it the one with like I, the I know, dude standing exactly on the giant? Is. is it the guy standing on the giant skull? And then there's like no, there's there's two there's two new posters they put today. One with people in shot with him, and one with a helicopter in front of his face. And the helicopter is not even as big as his eyeball. And uh, I know exactly why they did this because in like five or six years they plan to have King Kong uh, versus Godzilla. So they had to make him as big as the new Godzilla is. Oh. So yeah. that's how big King Kong is now. Yeah, I'm just, I just saw a poster. I have no idea if that's actually real. It has a helicopter in it, and it looks that's terrible. That's real. It was released today. Oh, my God. That looks like god-awful. <laughs> and there, there's one more, and it's like the there's Tom Hiddleston, your buddy Loki, and uh, your other buddy, Captain Marvel. What's her face? Um that actress i don't remember her name or no brie larson yeah brie larson it's like them in the water and then uh king kong's like way in the background and he's fucking gigantic like he's as big as a mountain which seems a a little bit weird but like like i said i'm pretty sure the it's because he's going to be fighting godzilla in like five years yeah maybe i might have something there if unless this one tanks and uh godzilla 2 tanks (laughs) <laughs> then, then maybe they'll give up, but that's what their plan is now. Yeah, uh, Hollywood's not about giving up, though. They just keep making shit and forcing just, it on us. Yeah, look at uh, Zack Snyder; he's still going, man. You, you do it, buddy. You keep doing you. Okay. All right, that's it. Sweet. All right. Well, with all that said, it's time to wade into a big old pool of toxic waste and blood and gore, and yeah. corporate greed. Gross. Because we're talking about RoboCop from 1987, directed by Paul Verhoeven. See mm-hmm. you after the break. And you were like Clarence Bodiger. And you stomped the shit out of my heart. And you left me for dead in a futuristic hell world I'm pretty sure the TV said it was Detroit So I crawled into a secret police laboratory And they wrapped my body in Defasco steel And they pulled out my brain and they put in a Commodore 64 So I would not have to think about you anymore And now I am a RoboCop I am protected by Hamilton Steel 
and my Commodore 64 brain won't let me remember what it was like to sleep beside you. Would you buy that for a dollar? Oh, would you buy that for a dollar? So they sent Ed 209 after me. A crazy giant robot, he was kind of a Robotech ripoff. He had blazing machine guns and he killed a couple lame evil corporate executives. Just when you thought the movie was kind of winding down. But I know that I can defeat any robot. But sadly, the memories of you, I know that I cannot. And now I am a Robocop. I am protected by Hamilton Steel. And my Commodore 64 brain won't let me remember what it was like to sleep beside you. Oh, would you buy that for a dollar? Would you buy that for a dollar? We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you... Robocop. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. Old Detroit has a cancer. Cancer is crime. Let the woman go, you are under arrest. You, you better back up, pal! Your move, creep. What are your prime directives? You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. What is this shit? Anything you say may be used against you. He's a cyborg, you idiot. You recorded every word you said. You're dead. We killed you. His memory is admissible as evidence. You're gonna have to kill it. Get out of the car, for God's sake! Robocop, the future of law enforcement. And we're back. And we're talking Robocop, directed by Paul Verhoeven from 1987. A little bit of a rundown here, as always. In the near future of the late 1990s, uh, the America shown to us is really uh, not unlike our everyday, with cheery newscasters laying out today's latest horrors and genocides, industrial disasters, crime running amok, intercut with products to buy, idiotic television with catchy sayings, and no end in sight to any of it. Uh, the mayor of Detroit has signed a deal with mega corporation Omni Consumer Products, that's OCP, and... Um, 
over to them to take basically take over law enforcement as a result of the urban decay and the whole idea of taking uh, public services and privatizing them through contracts. Along with this deal, uh, part and parcel is that the uh, OCP will eventually revamp the city into something called Delta City, where safety and your future is assured and safe in corporate hands. Uh, we get to spend some time with the OCP Corporation meeting senior president uh, Richard Jones and his backstabbing mm-hmm. underling Bob Morton. Jones' vis- vision is of a manga-looking monster machine called uh, ED-209s, which will replace police uh, with their own uh, robot machines. Uh, and they can be easily controlled and will be effective in this new war on crime. Uh, but a horrific mishap occurs, allowing Morton to jump in with his own vision of the future of law enforcement, uh, which comes in the form of something called uh, RoboCop. Um, mm-hmm. This idea wins over the old man, which is indeed the patriarch of the company and his actual name in the credits, which I thought was kind of funny when I looked at it. Um, yeah. And so plans proceed with this. But, of course, they're going to need a volunteer. And this is all, of course, to the chagrin of Dick Jones. Uh, so while yeah. this is happening, Officer Alex Murphy, paid, played by uh, Peter Wellers, has just transferred to his new precinct and meets his new partner, uh, Anne Lewis, um, played by... Uh, Nancy, oh, come on, man! <laughs> you're you're blowing this whole episode for us. It's over, man. It's over, dude. This is what happens when you try to type stuff out really quick. Uh, ah, the ah. back, so you, we get the backdrop of the police station uh, where there's threat of strike happening, just because of ongoing dangers of criminals and their viciousness and their access to weapons. They've just killed like five cops that week. Uh, there's no support coming from the government anymore. And their new corporate masters are not supporting them at all. And they're working horrible hours, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, of course, this uh, line uh, kind of sets up this idea of like, they're law enforcement, they're not plumbers. Uh, and if they go, they, they can't quit their police, um, no matter what happens. But anyway, mm-hmm. first day of, out on the new job, Murphy is horribly cut down uh, by a band of super vicious criminals led by one Clarence Boddicker, played yeah. wonderfully by uh, Kurtwood Red, Smith. Redwood or Red Foreman. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. His So uh, Murphy's near fatal death leads him uh, through due to contractual signing off of his rights to his uh, OCP employers that they can use his body as they see fit. And thus we get the titular character RoboCop. So RoboCop is a pretty resounding success, all things considered. He is an unstoppable tank with the coldness and efficiency of a machine to combat crime and with the firepower of said unstoppable tank to make crime tap out. Of course, there's that whole human business. And when he comes across one of the criminals from Barker's gang who uh, killed Murphy, which RoboCop doesn't realize he is uh, at this point, um, his Mm -hmm. his past memory starts kind of screwing him up and he starts having flashbacks that he can't explain. Um, But then, of course, during one of these panics, uh, uh, his old partner kind of like asks Robocop if that's who he is, if he's Murphy. And, of course, this sends him down the road of tracking down Boddicker, the man who killed him. And carnage ensues. Uh, Boddicker gets thrown through several panes of glass and basically gives up the game that he is actually kind of working for one of those OCP suits, Mr. Richard Jones. Uh, Jones at this point has had uh, Boddicker go and kill the successful Morton and has essentially, uh, because he's hurt uh, his own side of the crime business in Detroit. 
Uh, but anyway, so Robocop is onto Dick Jones, but it turns out that Dick Jones is a smart guy, and in Robocop's programming, he's made it so that uh, his fourth directive, amongst uh, his other police-like duties, is that he cannot arrest OCP employees. Uh, mm-hmm. Jones reports that Robocop is malfunctioning to uh, the Detroit police, and of course, the police then have to turn on one of their own. Um, there is a battle with an Ed 209, <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but anyway, he escapes that and he winds up being face-to-face with his uh, fellow officers who just light him up. Uh, he's nearly destroyed, but his old partner, Anne, comes to his rescue. Uh, we get that typical scene in all 80s sci-fi thriller action movies of two characters mm-hmm. talking about how things have come to this in abandoned warehouses around fires, uh, yeah. healing wounds, and, you know, I wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, the police go on strike, and now uh, Richard Jones has popped Boddicker out from jail, and his gang is up and running with anti-tank rifles, and they are on the chase to find Robocop and take him out permanently. Um, mm-hmm. So we get another sweet-ass action scene involving um, toxic waste tanks, men exploding, and people being stabbed in the throat with spiky USB inputs. Uh Robocop heads on back to OCP to tie everything up in a uh, tidy little package. A claymation man is thrown from the top of a building. Yeah. They cheer, we cheer, and his name is Murphy. So, Robocop, um, what was your childhood like, RJ, in regards to Robocop? I mean, this movie came out a little before you even existed as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, uh, I mean, I there's always a kind of a distant thing. I mean, I was always more of a Terminator kid. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of my, like, my robot violent monster uh, character. So there was, uh, I don't know. With Robocop, I remember there was, like, lots of toys. There was sequels. There was a television series. There was, like, TV yep. movies. Um, there was animated series. And I remember, like, mm-hmm. I, guess I, just remember, like I just remember toys, honestly. Yep. Um, I remember, like, maybe playing one of the video games at some point. And I know there's been comics. Um, but, yep. yeah, it's always kind of been this thing that, like, I didn't actually... I think I watched the Robocop 2, actually, before I ever watched... Uh, the first RoboCop, and I was like, yeah. I was like, this is kind of a weird, crazy movie with like people's like faces and spines hanging out and oh yeah, doing their thing. Yeah. And then like, I, don't, I think I didn't watch RoboCop honestly until like maybe the early two thousands. So I was like in mm-hmm. high school, and at the time, I didn't like. I thought it was like okay as an action movie. I didn't like think anything special about it. Um, right. I didn't pay it any mind. It was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's an action mm-hmm. movie, but it's no Terminator. Uh, it's not even, uh, it's not, it's not even predator. Um, Oh, come on. But, um, as time has progressed every you know few years or so, um, I, I'll watch it again because initially, uh, the only way you could watch this movie for years and years and years was the theatrical cut. Um, right. and then when criterion put this out way back in the uh, late nineties, they put out what was uh, finally the X rated version that was never released mm-hmm. in theaters because it would have been rated X, uh, right. for, uh, violence. Um, and so the, the big chase for a while there, uh, when I was in the age of being able to watch RoboCop and wanting to watch it, was that you couldn't get it because the Criterion was out of print. Um, yeah. And you had to settle for the theatrical version that was available until they released the three-disc set uh, I think MGM put out that actually did have the complete version. Right. Uh, and then when I watched that version, I was kind of like, 
Oh, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is, okay. I, I can get behind this. And then so like my impression of it's improved. And then like, but every time I watch the movie, it just gets better and better. Um, mm-hmm. And I, my appreciation for this type of uh, action filmmaking. And like, if you put it in the confines of like 80s action movies and like everything it spawned, there's some crap. But when you go back to the source material, it's, it's so, so rewarding, RJ. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have to tell you that though. No, you don't. You're goddamn right. Yeah. Yep. So what does Robocop mean to you? To me? Oh, shit. Well, uh, you're right. Like, I I was born after this movie came out, so um, I don't have a ton of attachment to it. However, we did have some of those toys. I remember we had the Robocop car, Mm -hmm. which uh, as I just watched all three of the movies, I was like, huh, he never did get a car. So I think it must have been from the cartoon. Yeah. Um, from the cartoon, we had the car, but uh, I don't. I think someone lost the RoboCop toy himself because I never put RoboCop in his car. I think I always put like Bucky O'Hare in there or something, and just mm-hmm. ripped around with that bad boy. So uh, that or um, the Game Boy uh, Color game. I think it's color. It might just be Game Boy game, but the Game Boy game. Uh, I played a lot because I was a Nintendo kid, so I did lots of the gaming. And the Game Boy game has like the best uh, song ever composed. So I, I'm particularly fond of that. But other than that, I um, I honestly had no attachment to RoboCop until I uh, watched, I probably watched it for the first time like three, four years ago actually. Um, and I thought it was fucking awesome. And then I watched it again now and I thought it was even better. So... I didn't really, to be honest, or to answer your question, I didn't really have an attachment other than the car, but uh, I just put other dudes in there, like uh, <laughs> Battletoads yeah. and Bucky O'Hare and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, so that's that, man. Sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's like, there's some pretty impressive things when I was like just reading about this movie because like this movie's budget was thirteen million dollars. <laughs> wow. Which is like comical it's just like i guess like the costume itself costs like a million dollars though too so yeah. we're, we're like that's like good that's important that like probably the most expensive part of your production mm-hmm. was the actual character robocop yeah. um that like you can't say that's the same for any movie now made where they mm-hmm. put that sort of like one thirteenth of the budget goes into just like a like a, essentially a prop um mm-hmm. if or just like a costume itself uh, usually that money saved for your big name actors of which this movie I, doesn't really have those even like, cause at the time Peter Weller was just kind of a guy, right? Do you know why they ca- cast Peter Weller? Why? He was actually the third choice. They were going to go with uh, the first two choices by the studio and uh, by the director. The studio wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. If anyone didn't get that. And uh, Paul Verhoeven wanted Rutger Hauer. Of as course Robocop. he did. But they were both, uh, deemed too bulky. Yeah. Their frame, their frames were too big, so they had to go with a slimmer person to actually fit into the costume. Yeah. The, and the, thus, Peter Weller was born. Another name that got thrown out there too was uh, uh, Michael Ironside. But he oh was, yeah, that he, makes sense. And he was too big. Yeah. <laughs> He's too big. Yeah, so they needed someone slim, but with a big head and a deep voice. That's right. Um, I uh, I also saw. Do you know who designed RoboCop? I do, RJ. Your your buddy, your close person, our, our, our good friend. Uh, if you were listening to the Ghoul School people, uh, yeah. you would know that we're talking about a uh, uh, special effects genius, Rob Boutine. 
yes, he created the RoboCap uh, costume. Um, actually, I, I was checking out the special features. Uh, mm-hmm. I I've obviously, uh, I don't have access to the Criterion edition of this, but I do have access yep. to the... Uh, um, the Blu-ray of this that came out and it's actually way better in a lot of ways. Yeah. Obviously the picture is going to be a lot better because it's Blu-ray. It's still got yep. the commentary track from the Criterion. Um, and mm-hmm. it's also got a bunch of cool little special features. Uh, Flesh and Steel uh, was very informative. And it's also got two like uh, of the era 1987 production uh, diaries that, mm-hmm. that came up with the film, probably were released on the VHS or something like that. And those are pretty right. rad because it's got lots of vintage uh, stuff from when they were filming itself. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I learned is apparently uh, Paul Verhoeven and Rob Boutin did not get along at all. Um, oh, that's too bad. Which I, I apparently came to the point where like Rob Boutin didn't even come to set anymore. <laughs> he was just making everything. Aww. And then he had like the Robocop crew come in and do everything. So like all like probably your favorite parts of the movie are because of Rob Boutin. Kind of mm. like the thing <laughs> where it's just like, yeah, if there's like someone exploding or someone's hand getting shot off, face uh, getting blown apart, um, taking, you know, 50 caliber shots to the chest over and over again. That's Bob. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess like talking about Rob Boutin already. Um, yeah, I guess the thing too is like, uh, was with the costume itself, I guess like, uh, Paul Verhoeven was never really actually happy with the costume design, which is like in hindsight now it's like, it doesn't really matter. It's a pretty iconic thing, Mm -hmm. but like, I guess he was actually wanting more of like a manga influenced costume, which is kind Mm -hmm. of more what we got with the remake, something like fairly slim and like, um, Mm -hmm. like not so much like a clunky knight, but more like, uh, I guess Japanese robot, um, which I guess is probably one of the only good things I can say about the RoboCop remake, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Good. Things. Um, yeah. So, Hey, uh, th- this movie, this movie won a Academy award, I think it did for like sound editing. Yeah. Yeah. Sound editing got nominated for, uh, editing mm-hmm. and best sound mix. It's like the classic, uh, Academy awards that always go to like, uh, junky action movies. Right. <laughs> they always toss those that way. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Did you uh, happen to watch the RoboCop trailer, uh, before watching the movie? No. Oh, so the, so one thing that's, <laughs> the only reason I mentioned this, okay, is because yeah. you, you watch the trailer and like, okay, so RoboCop's got a pretty iconic like theme. The Basil yep. Bondar's, uh, score is like pretty goddamn amazing. But yep. in the RoboCop trailer, apparently the music hadn't been written yet when the trailer was put out there. So it just uses ter- the Terminator music because <laughs> they're, 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 well, they're, they're both Orion films. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, so it just uses Terminator. And I'm like, well, I guess that's like the vibe they were going for. Um, it's pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, there's a pretty good little story too with uh, Basil talking about how the RoboCop music was written and just talking about like Paul Verhoeven was like in his studio and like stomping around and like enacting what he thinks the music should sound like. <laughs> Mm. He sounds fun, man. Oh, so yeah. The, another cool uh, Paul Verhoeven little story from uh, the production side was, I guess, like, so obviously uh, Ed 209 doesn't actually mm-hmm. exist in the real world. Like, there's no yeah. actual thing. There, other than there's a prop. Metal Gears? In, 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 yeah, well, every every robot, Japanese robot thing that you can imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Battletech or whatever. But anyway... I guess like, so they had to do a scene where like the thing is inanimate, doesn't move. And so, cause they would do all the, um, the stop motion stuff after the fact, but I guess like to get the actors into the mindset of Ed 209 being in front of them, he, he himself would go in front of the prop <laughs> and like be like yelling and shouting, like, like a roaring, Fuck. like a lion with his hands up in the air to like, try to like 
be the Ed 209, <laughs> which is like fantastic because it's like, of course, of course, like the director has nothing else better to do but then to like take over and it's like, yeah, we can't get anyone to do it. I only, only mm-hmm. I can do this because he had no idea, I think, at the time, like how this was going to work because he's never worked right. a stop motion. Like, right. uh, his entire career has like been making like Dutch films and now it's like, this is my first like American movie and hey, we're going to figure it out and I have to trust these guys who I don't know to like do it properly. And luckily for him, he got Phil Tippett to do it. And Phil Tippett did a pretty marvelous job with that mm-hmm. Ed 209. I actually, uh, along with the nostalgia thing, when I was a kid, I thought Ed 209 was like the coolest thing that's ever existed. I thought right. I, I wanted one so bad, but I think they were like hard to come by and they were really expensive for like toys when you're like yeah. parents control the money and they're like, we're not going to buy that for you. And you couldn't find one mm-hmm. if you wanted to. So that was one of those toys I always missed out on. But then now that I've watched the movie, it's like Ed 209 is a piece of shit. <laughs> like, he, he, oh, he tries. He's, he's, he's a garbage. Like he's like, it's like, that's the funny thing. It's like, he's not good yeah. at his, he's just not good in any way. <laughs> Yeah, but he looks cool. He does look still pretty goddamn cool. Yeah. Um, that thing with Paul Verhoeven is fucking amazing. I love it. Like, I already really like this movie, but just knowing that he was walking around yelling, shouting like a lion yeah. <laughs> is just that's the that's the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's uh, so cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Paul Verhoeven. Um, so yeah, I guess we could talk about Paul Verhoeven. Um, sure. So. Actually, it was just like this past year or so, I actually kind of went on a Paul Verhoeven kick where I was just watching mm-hmm. a bunch of his stuff, like like Basic Instinct, stuff I, just, I had never watched before. I finally watched his one um, movie that like is regarded fairly well, uh, The Fourth Man. Oh, yeah. um, just like random stuff because like, I find him interesting. Flesh and Blood. Um, and then I, I was planning on watching Starship Troopers again, but that's a movie that I've just never fully been able to get behind. Um, and like, okay, so maybe I'll bring this up now. So with RoboCop, RJ, do you like, do you think this movie's satirical? That's like the one thing that like gets brought up a lot with this movie mm-hmm. talking about how it's a brilliant satire. And I always like go, what do people mean by that when they say that? Cause I don't think that that's like, I don't think that word means what people say it does, or at least, or maybe right. I'm wrong and I, I don't know what it means. Cause, um, RoboCop is always talked about as like this great satire. And then, um, they talk about that with Starship Troopers as, as being this mm-hmm. great send up of fascism. And I've never gotten that sense at all from it. I, I think right. that there might be that intent there, but I never like get it as like obvious. And then people just talk about it. Like it's like, it's there. And I'm like, what are they talking about? Like, there's right. like, there's, these movies are kind of like, there's sense, there's a sense of humor to them, but mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Um, no, I, I, uh, I also, hear that brought up a lot and uh i i think i kind of agree with you i don't see it as a satire that much like um i get all the themes i get what they're doing like yes. and like the thing the stuff that they do poke fun of like when they do like the commercials where it's like we nuked the rainforest whoops yeah. more at 11 like stuff like that yeah the, like, the yeah. board game nukem and stuff like that and yeah, like the like, laser blast killing two former presidents it's like yeah, yeah that stuff is obviously like that's like satire that those... yeah i think that stuff is but uh the movie itself and like robocop and stuff i think is like i i don't know i don't think i would call it satire either like i think it's just a pretty straight interpretation of like the themes that they were going for and it shows like militant like fascism or like i don't know like police states and corruption and stuff like that like and, and don't forget. I, I think uh, it's all super good. Yeah, and don't forget Paul Verhoeven's uh, Jesus angle that he's like really into. 
<laughs> like yeah it, it's like because like so in the one special feature he just like goes like he's ah, it's like christ i always that's what really drew me into this other than the violence because uh mm. there's like the one line of his where it's just like yeah he he like he likes violence he likes violence in film um right. and it's like clearly clearly he does um but yeah, which uh, is awesome but there's this whole idea that like yeah you have this character this good man he's like hands get blown apart and he gets killed and then there's a resurrection um but yeah. i mean that that's as far as it goes i think but like he's like i mean when he talks about it uh, at least like when this documentary uh, was shot for the making of it was like 2001 um mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he he's totally like into this, and I'm like interesting. And then like you listen to his like yeah. uh, cinematographer, and like the way the, these guys talk about this movie, it's like they think that we really made this like real deal, serious like science fiction film. Because it's like uh, I think like uh, the one director uh, Ken Russell, I think he said this is like the best science fiction film since like Metropolis, you know, which is like 1927. Mm-hmm. Um, and like and that does get brought up as like yeah. kind of like this like lineage of uh, robot movies um, mm-hmm. and. That and, the, and like I guess like the two movies that uh, uh, I'm not sure it was Verhoeven now that I'm thinking about it, but I think he was talking about the stuff that he was influenced by was like the day the Earth stood still and yeah. uh, Metropolis and kind of bridging those things into your uh, uh, another uh, pretentious way of talking about it is like sort of the Frankenstein aspect and is this a sure. a neo modern Prometheus? <laughs> oh, Jared! Oh, oh no! Oh. Um, you look yeah, forward so, to my uh, Criterion essay any day, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're gonna be calling you real soon. Yeah, with groaners. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I saw that too. Uh, I didn't get that at all. So I guess maybe he did it in such a way it was so subtle that it like he nailed it. I guess, and, but uh, I didn't really think that, and I didn't. I don't get the Frankenstein stuff either, but. I guess it makes sense. Like it's a monster that doesn't want to be a monster and he's like jammed together. There's one scene that I think shows that well is where he's like, he's like fading, like cutting in and out of consciousness. And it goes from like them testing on him to like them partying in front of him. And I find that sequence really sad actually. Mm. Um, So I guess that, I guess yeah, yeah, it is kind of Frankenstein-y. Yeah, I, I, I definitely I see more Frankenstein in this movie than I see Jesus or uh, Jesus. The, the, the brilliant satire. I mean, I don't know the satire yeah. thing. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that more. I guess as we run through the movie a bit more. Um, yeah. Hey, do you remember the RoboCop statue Kickstarter? I do. That act, they actually made that, didn't they? I think it's still happening. Like I think oh, they, it hasn't got made. No, yet. I, I kind of try to do a Google search and there was like a paywall mm-hmm. to read this Business Insider article about like it happening. This was like from like February of this year. So I'm not sure right. if it actually materialized. But at one point, like it was a joke and then it really was going to happen. And then they realized, oh, we have to actually get like clearance to do this. And I think they go, did yeah. get clearance. Um, but that's just like sad because didn't it, it didn't it go from a joke to real life after didn't Edmonton put up a Wolverine statue? And that, and then Detroit was like, oh shit, we could put up a, like a RoboCop, I guess. Did Edmonton? I know someone put up a Superman statue. I'm pretty sure Edmonton, like maybe it's not up yet, but I'm pretty sure it's been paid for. Like they're they're gonna make a big old bronze uh, Wolverine. So I, maybe the, cur- so maybe RoboCop is a satire in the sense that the world is actually getting to be like crazier and weirder than RoboCop. Like, I guess, I mean, yeah. yeah, Like, so yeah, that's like all part and parcel with this whole damn thing. So yeah. Um, God damn. So yeah, the thing with this movie that I kept realizing that was like probably depressing is that 
so the movie, like, so you have the Bob Morton character uh, played by Miguel yeah. Ferrer. Uh, actually, this movie's got two <laughs> Twin Peaks alumni because it's got yeah, it does. L- Leland Palmer and uh, and um, what's it, uh, Agent? The agent. Yeah. yeah. I all I can think of that Miguel Ferrer is from Hot Shots too, when he's like got blowing snot bubbles and stuff. I've any time and Night Flyer. Come on. Yeah, I I've never seen Night Flyer. Oh, I thought you had. Okay. No, I I uh, I read the short story. Okay. But uh, no, I haven't seen Nightflyer. I just remember Hot Shards Part Duh. Yep. He's in that for a minute, and he's crying, and he like blows into Charlie Sheen's hanky, and it gets to like a comical size. It's quite hilarious, Jerry. Right. Quite funny stuff. Yeah. So. So yeah, like this whole idea of like the the yuppies that are kind of being like made fun of in this movie because it's like all they care about is snorting coke and banging broads and then dying, and that's all they that's all they want yeah. in their life. It's like well, and like this movie is about like set in the, the Reagan era and like just like laughing at these corporate suits. And now one of those yuppies is the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah. great. <laughs> um. Yeah. Me, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing we can say about that there's here. Not much to go beyond that. No, nope. there's not much to go beyond that. No, yeah. it's just like, oh, here we are. Um, so, and Detroit is still a shithole, and we are edging closer and closer to the privatization of police services. I'm sure in America, yeah. um, and even like, yeah, in this like in this in the uh, the making of documentary on this thing, uh, this it's talking about the militarization of the police, and this is from mm-hmm. 2001, and like there's like the one recent um, uh, documentary that Severn just put out. The Killing of America. It's talking about right. like SWAT teams and the militarization of the police. And that's from 1980 or something like that. It's like, oh, mm. yep. Everyone just knows this is coming and who gives mm. a shit? Yeah, everyone's all hot on uh, the Simpsons predicting stuff nowadays. But uh, where's everyone talking about Robocop 30 years ago calling it like it was? Huh? Right. Yeah. So, hey, do you like this movie? We haven't even talked about Robocop at all. Oh, uh, yeah, no, uh, Robocop's good. <laughs> Robocop's. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Robocop's good. Robocop's like I don't know. Uh, I'm just, I, I have so many notes at this thing that I'm just trying to get through too. it. So yeah, yeah. keep uh, rolling. Let's see keep here. Rolling. Starting from the beginning, news flash music. Love it. Yeah. So this movie's yeah. got this movie uh, has wonderful uh, recreations of what news looked like. Even though it's like news didn't really look like this in 1990, but it actually does look like what newscasts looked like in the 80s um yeah. which is something i can't say about the robocop remake um oh yeah that's so, really bad yeah and so yeah the movie's got those this movie's uh got those ads put in between the news segments which i really like that like they basically would talk about uh news for about 30 seconds and then you get a 15 second ad and then you get mm-hmm. another news package for another like 30 seconds but i love the use of the like uh the new stuff because it, it it sets up the world with shorthand really quickly it does doesn't like right. linger too long, but it gives you enough information that you know that hey, this world's kind of off and kind of miserable and kind of crappy without like I don't know really having to demonstrate it too much, but it gives you a mental image of what this place kind of looks like. Absolutely. Um, uh, my next note is just Mr. Kenny, uh, which is in reference to the corporate suit who is mowed down and just utterly destroyed by Ed Two Hundred Nine uh, in the boardroom, oh, yeah. which Fuck, yeah. uh, is just like I mean. If there's like anything, any one gift that Robocop has given to the world, it's the gift of that happening. That, yeah. Uh, of just a man just being that. There's like actually, there's two 
like essential gifts in this film. Uh, this yep. is this is one of them. Uh, yeah, where you just get a man just being blown apart. And I mean, you really get a taste of the Paul Verhoeven aesthetic when, like, because you get the second pass of like bullets yep. getting tearing mm-hmm. him apart, and it's like it's hilarious and horrifying. It, it's hilarious and horrifying. It's so funny. Like, so I watch it with this with Andrea, oh. and like, had she seen it before? <laughs> no, she had never seen it actually. Okay. Um, and actually, she actually, by the end of it, she really d- dug it. Like, I think I've mentioned before the first like 20 minutes, half hour, she was kind of diddling around on her phone. Um, do like just do another thing, magazine movie type of stuff. But, uh, she did get into it later on, but it was funny when the Ed like shoots that guy, she was like, Oh shit. And then it just kept shooting him for like another 15 seconds. And she was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because she I also made her watch Total Recall with me on the weekend. So oh. she got a she got a, a double dose of uh, Verhoeven uh, violence here. Yes. So <laughs> and did, was she into uh, Total Recall as well? That that was another one. Like at first she wasn't, but uh, she she got into the story later on because they're both just awesome fucking movies. Yeah. And it's uh, they're irresistible. You can't yeah. you can only fight it for so long before it draws you in. Yeah, they're uh, great examples of uh, 80s filmmaking, like 80s action movies. Like, Fuck yeah. Yeah, they're kind of uh, unimpeachable. Bar none, they're the top. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like they're part of the, the, the that canon, right? Like Predator, Terminator. Yeah, they're... The upper echelon. Yep. Yeah. Everything, I, everything that came along just tried to rip them off. Like Robocop. Right. I mean, like Christ, like, you look at Robocop, it's like, okay. But if you look at the name and this is like the thing that the writers talked about. It's like, what a, this is an awful title for a movie. It's like, yeah. it's like, how can you even take this seriously? It's, um, yeah. yeah, I guess like one of the uh, origins of the movie itself was like this, uh, uh, one of the screenwriters and a friend were like walking by a poster for Blade Runner. And he's like, what's mm-hmm. that about? Oh, it's about a cop who hunts robots. And he just like started thinking about robots Cops, cops, cop robots. No, no, robo, <laughs> robot cop, ah. robot cop. No, no. There you go. And I guess like his co-writer uh, had the idea, like, well, I want to do a story about a super cop, and he, if he plugs into an appliance and he gets powers, and I'm like, and so they combine them, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess things worked hey. out for the best. Hey, you joke, but I mean, that's how uh, Jurassic Park was created. That's how Schindler's List was created. That's how. Um, all the all the greats. Yeah. Just people joking around about Robocops and dinosaurs and Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next note here is a quotation from the film, and it simply Uh-oh. is, can you fly, Bobby? Oh, fuck. That part's so awesome. Man. Also, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll just talk about uh, Red here. Um, well, mm-hmm. Clarence Boddicker, Kurtwood Smith. I, I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, how many actors can say they've had, like, two iconic roles because I mean when you look up this movie everyone just talks about Red uh, from yep. that, that 70s show and like mm-hmm. I mean I, I'm i not crazy about that show or anything but I mean the highlight of that show is always Kurtwood Smith like yeah. he's he's fantastic he deadpans perfectly he's, he's got such a great yeah. sense of humor and timing and being serious and he knows how to play it well and here he gets to play unhinged uh, Clarence and gets the mm-hmm. he gets like some of the best lines um, we'll, we'll touch on all those as we go through here mm-hmm. um, he's just so greasy it's awesome yep and with his band of pieces of shit uh one, one of which gets to throw out the line later on to mind if i zip this up and- oh yeah <laughs> so sweet that's the fir- that's like one of the first lines even yeah but hey doesn't the uh, his other henchman the dude who turns into the toxic avenger at the end doesn't he look like flea from uh 
uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I think Flea wants to look like him. Like him? Oh, so, all right. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Emil, that's his That's his character's name. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. Flea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. What else you got there oh, for well, hot notes? Well, uh, and then I went, no one probably thought they were going to see Peter Weller's hand get blown off. Um, cause yeah, that scene, yeah. no matter how many times I've seen it, I'm always like, Oh, like, Holy Eish. crap. No, so this movie's got a really weird structure too, because like, yep. I mean, how many movies can you say that you've watched where like the hero gets like completely just devastated? Like not like, Oh, he got hit and then he gets to go to the hospital cause he got shot in the shoulder or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, he gets like decimated. Um, like his hand gets blown clean off yeah. and then he gets like shot through the head and a big piece of flap goes flying out the back of his head and it's just yeah. like horrifying and you get the scene with uh, um, uh, his partner Nancy Allen looking out at him and just like getting just destroyed and you're like holy crap you can't do anything about this it's yeah. it's happening other than like emotionally devastated like like some of my favorite movies like Chris Nolan movies or uh, PTA movies uh, nothing like this, but you know, what's fucking hilarious that about that scene, you know, it's super funny. Like after he just gets completely annihilated with bullets, his partner's like, uh, he said, she says something like call a paramedic. It's like, do you think he's fucking alive? No, like, no, I think you're misremembering stuff. Cause she never, is, actually, that, is that a different yeah. scene? No, that's okay. That's after Kenny oh, gets no, blown that's apart. The guy gets blown yeah, yeah. up. No, cause like, yeah, yeah cause okay. Webbs is like, she shows up and she just like cries silently and then it transitions okay. to him, them trying to save his life. And then you get the whole right. montage of, uh, him like getting powered down and started back up mm-hmm. and you get like the horrific line of, uh, I think we should lose the arm. What do you think? And they're like, like, lose the arm. Lose, lose the arm. And it's just like, holy crap. Because like, I think my yeah. next note there was like, this movie just flows. Oh, yeah. It's it's so good. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like, because I mean, this is like, you know, ostensibly, it's a superhero movie, right? Um, yeah. And you get the origin story, but it's like, oh, you never seen one. This is like dark and violent. Because like, mm-hmm. everything tried to copy this. Like Dark Man tried to copy it. And it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, it doesn't work. Um, I mean- I don't know. Like, I'm not a fan at all of the Tim Burton Batman movie. I think that movie is like, like a piece of crap. Um, oh, like bad acting, and oh, it's just a slog. It's just like the opposite of RoboCop. Um, I've and I, I've I've thought this since I was a kid. So I don't know. What if Brad Dourif was actually the Joker, though? That would have been amazing. It would have it would have it would have helped because Jack mm-hmm. Nicholson, boy, it's it's he's hilarious as Joker, but like in the wrong ways. Oh uh, man. Okay. So anyway, no, but, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. It was that office scene where he got shot but that is super funny because yeah. he gets equally f- fucked up by bullets and they're like call paramedic it's like no he's dead well he's kind of alive <laughs> he, yeah. he's he's a he's a stump of a man or whatever but mm-hmm. but then they save him and uh i love like when he gets when he when he first he starts moving and then you get the little reveal on the television screen as he passes like that's like the yeah. uh that's the gareth edwards filmmaking style now like you would, you, yeah, you would watch like an entire like robocop movie and you'd get like 10 minutes of robocop but then you'd see like shots of robocop on surveillance cameras in passing and then you'd see like yeah. all these people responding to robocop having passed through already and it's just mm-hmm. like yeah this is what's wrong with like modern filmmaking because it's like you wouldn't get to see him um yeah but they nail it here because they yes. only do it for like six or seven minutes 
like for the initial reveal. Right. Yeah. Well, to yeah. actually even see him in action because like you see him like kind of moving yep. around, like they're like pretty well, like they're showing off the costume, like they're doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then you get, you get, he gets to eat some, uh, baby food, his nice mm-hmm. bloopy, uh, organic paste. Um, yeah. And then, uh, we got another, uh, classic moment that's been added to culture, which is I'd buy that for a dollar. Which is where the, the origin of that uh, that expression, yep. and whenever you've seen it on message boards or people have said it on Twitter, wherever you've looked, that is because of this movie. Mm-hmm. Hey, how how well did they uh, keep that alive in the remake? Huh? Not at all, with, my friend. With Jack Earl Haley just saying it offhand. Yeah, like it's in this movie like six times, and it gets like the more you see it, it's like funnier each time you see it. And then the remake was like, no, we don't need the most one of the most iconic parts of the first movie. We don't need that. Well, I mean, this. I guess it's like I don't know. I guess like that wouldn't have been maybe on my mind on this. But like, what do you do? Like, do you just like represent the show as like yeah. it's, it, there's this the, the I'd buy that for a dollar television program. So like, hey, what what kind of television? show is that like what is it is it like a skit it's like comedy skit, skits it's all skits it's not just um well like, he's always doing sitcom yeah well he's always doing weird things but like addressing the camera directly like he's either throwing pies at ladies or like women are falling on top of them with their boobs yeah. in his face and he goes maybe, yeah maybe it is a sitcom i don't know yeah um did you ever watch uh extras the um ricky uh, gervais show i don't know yeah. if you remember like there was the uh, uh when the whistle blows like show that he starts doing i think it's like in the second part or the second season of extras mm-hmm. and it's just like when the whistle blows and he, he gets to play like the kind of the shitty sitcom character who gets one-liners yeah. and um mm-hmm. oh it's just like that i mean that's like i mean that's the satire i guess uh, <laughs> of making yeah. fun of shitty retarded crap that uh uh, people watch and then like I don't know I, I actually the thing that I like more than the I buy that for a dollar lines are like the reactions of people watching the show and they're right. like oh, they're, they're fake forced laughs but like because their characters are dumb because <laughs> they just go <laughs> like and you're like yeah. and it's like funny it's like Flea Flea's yeah. always laughing at the show yeah it's because he turns and goes oh he just said it <laughs> he said he said the line he, he, he did it yeah yeah mm-hmm. good stuff yeah, uh, and then we get another line here of just "fuck me, fuck me, fuck me." I don't remember this line. It, it, it happens, my friend. All right, uh, and, and it happens. Uh, bef- oh yeah, no, it's when he. Uh, it's the guy who's robbing the convenience store, and he's like about the safe that's uh, under the beer cans, and then he turns around and he sees this RoboCop man uh, right. c- coming in, and he just starts going "fuck me, fuck me, fuck me," and that's like his lines until he's yeah. stopped. Until he gets punched um, through the dairy. Yeah, uh, he, he gets clotheslined through like it's it's kind of a weird Into like the dairy cabinet. He, well, yeah, and he goes flying forward, which is like yeah. wait, he's clotheslined. He would just fall straight down. Oh well, we'll forgive you, RoboCop. Um, yep. yep, and then of course we get the iconic line of a uh, props even our show of your move creep. Yeah, uh, that's right there at the thirty six. The that's at the thirty six minute mark. Uh, we get the cock shot. Um, oh yeah, and of course, uh, famously replicated in a uh, that our RoboCop remake uh, web 
kind of compilation thing that some dudes made uh, around the time of the uh, actual RoboCop remake. Uh, yeah. And uh, I posted that over on the Facebook page. Uh, Oliver actually emailed uh, us to like make sure that we posted that. And I was like, oh, my friend, I'm I'm far ahead of you because yeah. that is like one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Had, had you seen it before, RJ? I had never, I had oh, never seen man. that before you posted it. And because <laughs> I had always thought like after I had watched this like four years ago, the one scene that always stuck with me was like he shoots that guy in the dick yeah i was like that's the funniest fucking thing i've ever seen and then when the remake came out i went to the remake with some people and i was like you know what i bet they don't i bet he doesn't shoot a guy in the dick and they're like what are you talking about i was like he (laughs) fucking shoots a guy in the dick in the original movie and they're like whatever and i was like oh well whatever to you then but uh so i that scene always stuck with me and then Last week, I saw that get posted, and I was like, "What is this?" And then, <laughs> and just dudes with dicks out everywhere. Man, uh, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, I, that thing, uh, the escalation of that is just like yeah. perfect, perfect comedy. I, I, I just love dark the comedy. It's like, uh, it's like foremost rapist or something. It's just that yeah. naked guy just standing there. <laughs> do it, do, do it. it. Yeah, and just the fact that his boner has like the creakiest <laughs> wood sound. It's so awesome, and, and the music. Yeah. And the music. Yeah, the music is great too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I was actually having a pretty bad day. And then I watched that and I was like, you know what? Things are going to be okay. It's really turned the ship around. Yeah. Oh, and it's and it's at this point that I wrote the main theme of Robocop is so amazing. Because it is. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. The uh, As I said before, the only thing that could have been better is if uh, they jammed in that uh, Game Boy music. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was not meant to be. Not meant That's, to uh, be. That's an, another piece of art. But yeah, the, the main theme is just fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's another great line here. I think when he's, uh, I think it's like the one com- police commander, chief or whatever, he, or SWAT leader guy. He's like, terrorism is a very tricky business. Um, mm-hmm. And I was thinking like, is that terrorism that's actually happening in that building? Because it's like a former politician who like lost his seat and he's like, um, kidnapped a bunch of people at city hall and i was thinking like oh right. yeah that weird slippery slope of how things get labeled as terrorism uh depending on whoever's in power uh, right. anyway so then uh the next uh quote here i think will resonate with you rj mm-hmm. uh iron butt boner <laughs> even I'm asshole <laughs> I'm not even kidding, Jared. I wrote down both of those things, iron butt and boner yeah. in quotation marks because I thought that was so funny. Um, do you mind if I just interject for a moment go, about go. that scene in general? Yeah. That scene is so fucking bizarre. Oh, um, man. Because they walk Ron, in. Ron, Ronnie Cox's caress of his hair. Yeah, because you know why that's weird? Because that dude was dumping out and he never fucking washed his hands. And then he goes and touches that dude's fucking hair. I think it's me, it's all there. That was all me, intentional. Yeah, I know it's all intentional. Me and Andrew are watching it. And because like when you when they come in, you see the guy's uh, his feet on the toilet. And Andrew's comment, I'm not even kidding. I wrote it down was, is this guy shitting standing up? What the fuck is wrong with his legs? And I was like, because um, I knew like he'd come out. I was like, I don't know. And then the whole time they're talking, Andrew's like, he hasn't washed his hands yet. <laughs> He hasn't washed his hands yet. I was like, I know. And she's like, oh, my God, he's going to touch his fucking face, isn't he? And then it just slowly goes through his hair. And she was like, she almost gagged. She was like, oh, that dude was fucking dumping out so bad. And he even makes a comment where he's like, I'm number two around here. Yeah. (laughs) Which is just like, okay, I guess maybe this movie is satire. 
Uh, um, or maybe uh, Paul well, Verhoeven oh, just man. is a, a, a comedic genius. Well, okay. Like, so uh, my, my, my uh, comment when I was watching this was the villains in this movie are so good. And like, oh, man, like, cause like they're so memorable. Like you spend so much time with them and like, you really get to know them as like other characters. Like they're not just dumped out and like afterthoughts. Um, but my, yeah. Uh, and yeah, my, I mean, just like you just, or it's a setup of just, you just fucked with the wrong guy. Yeah. Lovely. My, uh, <laughs> my, my literal or my actual second note was this movie has the best, uh, bad old white guys. Yeah. Cause they're all awesome. Like all the old business, old bad white businessmen. Mm-hmm. So fucking good. Yeah. Like I love it. Yeah. Awesome. They're great. Um, so what else got? Oh, well, uh, then we get back to, uh, Clarence Boddicker, uh, with his, one of our, uh, favorite lines here uh in the chateau uh, duncan uh of bitches leave bitches leave yeah yeah or more uh, bitches leave <laughs> bitches leave uh again that was um a real comment from andrea she was just like did he just say yeah. bitches leave <laughs> yeah. i was like you're goddamn right he did because yeah, clarence Bodiger, damn it yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so he then kills uh, Miguel, and then we move on to guns, guns, guns. Yeah. You know, the one thing I will say, uh, I was a, I'm was a little let down by that warehouse shootout. I think it's a little lackluster. Which one? The, the, the end the, or the, no, the Coke no. factory? The, the, the Coke factory where they're making their drugs. Uh, like It's yeah. pretty, like, I mean, especially compared to, like, the John Woo movies. Uh, we watched like sure. the, which are like just super kinetic and they move I mean it's very different styles but sure. like I found that that like watching it this time too I was like yeah it's like it's like not that gory it's not like there's you don't yep. see a huge geysers of blood blowing out everywhere um, yep. I mean the real payoff to that is just watching uh, Kurtwood Smith getting tossed through panes of glass or at least yeah. his stunt double just getting to- uh, tossed about so I mean right. I'd say that's a strike that that is definitely I think uh, yep. I mean for what's come before it it's kind of uh, not so great but yep. hearing him going what is this shit <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah that, that part's awesome I also when I when he's getting thrown through all that glass I, I was just thinking of like uh, Wayne's World 2 where um, there's the guys who move the watermelons back and forth between the streets, and then the guy who moves the uh, or the they move the pane glass back and forth. They're like, "What?" He's like, "What are these guys doing?" They're like, "Oh, they just have to move this thing from one side of the street to the other." He's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "We just got to make sure there's always plenty of watermelons, <laughs> so that later when they drive, they can crash through it all." Because there's so many like big open windows in that factory, which is like mm-hmm. this is more than there should be. Yeah. But it but it's fine because it's just so that. There was more stuff to throw him through, I guess. So, mm-hmm. uh, th- it. <laughs> throwing it back to uh, Clarence Boddicker, and then he gets his line when he goes to meet uh, up with uh, Ronnie Cox's secretary. And he's like, oh, "Maybe after I'm done with her, maybe you could fit me in." Fit me in. It's like real smooth operator. And, oh yeah, of course. Like when they pulled up his uh, his rap sheet, uh, one of his uh, charges was rape. <laughs> rape? Question mark? Yeah, just nah, just rape. He he just he, rape. he he did it. But he's he's out yeah. he's out and about, um, yep. yep. So uh, my next thing here is some advice: don't drive into toxic waste tanks. That is pretty good advice because there have been days where I've almost done it just out of boredom. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna fucking do this. I want right to be the toxic. I want to be the toxic Avenger. <laughs> yeah, I love how like 
it's so awesome that he comes out and he's just fucking like mangled. Oh, the and his one it. hand is like mm-hmm. like spaghetti. Like his fingers are all noodly and shit. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> like it's so horrifying. But again, it, it does the horrifying and hilarious because it's like our, yeah. th- this might be like as you watch it more, it starts becoming funny. Kind of like Sons of the Lambs. Kind of like sure. Happiness, RJ. Um, nah. And then he gets. Help me, help me. And oh. just like, and everyone's just like, oh shit. Like there is like, everyone like yeah. wants to be as far away from this, this puddle man as possible. That's, um, I, I was going to say one of the reasons I really like this movie is because people's like reactions to things are so genuine. Yeah. Like he goes up to Ray Weiss or Ray Wise and he like touches him. He's like, help me. And he looks at him or Leland Palmer and he's like, oh fuck. He's like, get away from <laughs> yeah. me. Well, or, like, no, fuck. He say, no, he says, don't touch me. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Don't touch me, man. Well, like, but, it's, it's such a genuine response. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Ray, on top of it all, like, Ray Wise is like, a, he's like one of the best faces, like, in yeah. everything. Like, he always, like, he's so super expressive. Uh, he's one of those diet guys I'm always happy to see show up and stuff because he's usually pretty great. Uh, mm-hmm. d- does he get grabbed by the dick at the party when he gets arrested? I can't remember. Because, or, you know, he tries to kick Robocop in the balls and then he breaks he- his foot. Yeah, he tries to kick him, and there's an also another cool scene. He pulls a gun, and RoboCop slaps it, and another guy grabs it in the air and starts dancing. Yeah, because he's fucking like, awesome. Yeah, that yeah that that is exactly what happens. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then uh, that's like kind of like then we get to the big climax of the movie with uh, um, uh, RoboCop getting dumped on uh, with all that metal, yeah. which looks really good. Like I Ooh. love like how he bends as he gets collapsed upon, and you're kind of yeah. like, whoa! There's like no way he could come back from this. But he saves the day by stabbing Kurtwood Smith in the fucking throat with his USB B-stick. like stick, and just shoves it in his fucking throat. And just the yeah. apparently that was one, again one of those things that got edited out uh, from that X rating to save it from that. It's like the blood geyser of that, which I totally forget about. And I was watching him like, oh yep. yeah, that's how he mm-hmm. gets away. That's how he saves the day. He stabs him in the throat. Um, Thank, sure, thank you, sure law does. enforcement. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that, that scene's awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, uh, then the, the day is saved with RoboCop uh, just shooting Ronnie Cox out the window. And the, my favorite bit there is actually uh, the guy who plays Johnson, uh, uh, Mort, uh, Bob Morton's buddy. Uh, he's the, he's the black guy in the yeah. there. And he's like joy of like he, he knows it's coming. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and he's like nods. He's like, he's, like he's very, he proves very much of uh, Ronnie Cox getting thrown out. And then, yeah, we get some questionable overlong arms on that claymation man getting, <laughs> falling to his death. It's so like, come like it's, it's kind of funny, I, I, but it's, I know. And it, it, but it's like kind of like, oh, it's like, that's the best way they could have done it. Cause I mean, I think about like men being thrown out of building movies, like a Die Hard or something like that. And they always like, there's always something off about them because. I don't know. They yeah. want, they're, they're always trying to go for like, we want this to look like the actor, but this went in the opposite direction of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, no, I, I thought about that too, but I was like, man, I don't even care. I think that's so fun. Yeah. It's fun. And then, yeah, then we get the sweetness of what's your name, son? And just <laughs> Murphy. And then fucking RoboCop. It just smashes on and then the music kicks yeah. in. And you're like, yep, this movie is pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that ending when the ro- the credits just fucking jump right at you. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, the, my Paul Verhoeven uh, quote, I like violence. I like violence in movies. I wanted to show Satan killing Jesus. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
And just like, yeah, and, and Paul Roman's like disdain for the material before he made it. It was just like, this is silly and stupid. It's rubbish. But it was, I guess like his wife actually yeah. convinced him because she like pulled it out of the junk pile. Because like this movie was being like shopped around and everyone was just like, ugh, Robocop. Like that sounds like god awful. Like, and it does. It's a terrible yeah, it title. Um, but yeah, I guess like his wife's like, you know, there's like something else going on with this. And it's like really violent. And he was, he's, he perked up. He's <laughs> like, Ooh. oh. But uh, oh, oh, violence, you say? Yeah. Uh, other thing too is like Peter Weller is really good in this movie, considering yeah. like what he has to work with. I guess he worked yeah. with the he worked with a mime coach for the movie too, which actually like why? Just like to figure out how to move and like how to like uh, act. Like, mm-hmm. like, cause like it's a different one thing to be able to like have full movement and like you're like a normal person, but like now you're like, yeah. now you have to act like a robot man. And like, how do you like communicate movements subtly? And I mean, right. so he worked with like, um, like a Juilliard, like mime, like coach, like PhD or whatever in mimery. If, cause there's, could, because there's such a thing, I, I, but apparently they, um, uh, they worked together and then they actually, they worked together before they actually had the costume. And then they got the costume like the day of shooting uh, and it took 11 hours to fit him. And then they realized that Hmm. everything that they had learned was completely meaningless because the costume is like makes it so so cumbersome. And I guess uh, then they had a blowout because like Peter Weller was like, I'm not prepared to do this. And like Verhoeven's like, no, we have to go. We have to make this goddamn movie. And I guess Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, after a little bit, they realized he was wrong. And so they gave him time to get prepared for it. And they they described it as like bird-like movements. Because there's like lots of like little mm, stuff yeah. that there's like lots of stuff that he does. You're like, wow, that's like really nice. Like just like attention to detail, um, like with what he's doing and stuff like that. Because I mean, Peter Weller. I mean, I don't think you could really describe him as a very animated performer, uh, in general. Mm. Like when I think about Peter Weller, I mean, yeah. he's usually pretty like, uh, lack lackadaisical. Because I always think about him in like yep. uh, even like Star Trek Into Darkness. Like his like hilarious yeah. delivery of the line when like, uh like Kirk or Spock Rivers like found out about uh Khan and he's just like oh shit you found out <laughs> like that's like what Peter Weller yeah, does he's funny. he's he's pretty nonchalant dude and so yeah they found a they found a good cop with Peter Weller mm-hmm. he was uh he was good in that uh, animated um version of the Dark Knight Returns which can be connected oh, yeah. back to RoboCop because Frank Miller wrote uh, 2 and 3 mm-hmm. so no which- he was pretty good in that um, I think, well, I mean, that's kind of my run through on uh, RoboCop. So maybe you should talk about RoboCop 2 and 3. 2 and 3, but I haven't even talked about number 1. Okay. I'll, I'll go through just a few things I had. But Sorry. I actually, a lot of the stuff I wanted to talk about, I did, I broke into your stuff, like the dump scene and uh, stuff like that. Iron butt. Iron butt and boner. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought that was awesome. Actually, I'm just looking through my stuff and I was like, I think I might have actually talked about all the things I wanted to other than a few things. So like uh, when RoboCop goes to like save the mayor and he punches through the wall I was, yeah. and like pulls a guy through, I was like, hmm, I wonder if this was like the it's like the first time I've seen it. But a year earlier, oh. Frank Miller did it in the Dark Knight Returns comic. So oh, I was like, I guess man. I guess that's there. Um, I think there's a really funny scene when uh, – some, a reporter asked RoboCop like what he should say or his advice to kids, and he's like, "Stay out of trouble," and he like delivers it so like menacing. I thought that part was awesome. Uh, so you know what's really weird? Yeah, you know the scene where he goes to like his old house and it's being for sale. Yes, being for sale. It's for sale. Uh, so he's like walking around the house, and then he goes into the kitchen, and he just sees like 
a huge pile of fucking garbage, like old withered flowers and like a photograph of his family. Yeah. Like that stuff's actually there. Like, cause he picks it up and like right. manipulates it and stuff. So like, it's so confusing. It's like they're selling this house and it's all empty, but they just left a huge pile of garbage just on the in, fucking in, table. In the kitchen? Yeah. Just in the kitchen. Like it was very bizarre. Um, and uh, I, I was just gonna say one other thing. I really like how um, I really like how slow RoboCop is. Right. Like, and 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 I guess that's just because of the way the limits of the costume, and like not exactly what they wanted. Because as you said, they wanted like a slim manga type of dude. But I I like that he's slow, man. Like, it it, it makes it so he's like. I don't know. He's not as like invincible, I guess, like because he is invincible to bullets, but he's also just like real fucking slow and just like walking around and shit like that. Right. So that's super cool. And then I guess so I talked about most of the stuff, but the last thing I'll say is I think they set up that last scene super good where it's like the way he presents himself with like the directives, he can't do things and then people getting shot down in the conference room and then like the videos, like all that stuff gets set up in earlier scenes. It's just, it's good filmmaking, Jared. Yeah. That's all I want to say. But, uh, actually the big main point is, uh, that guy took a dump and didn't wash his hands. Yep. That's the number one thing I want to yep. say. And, and, and then some people went and made Robocop too. And I don't know if they washed their hands. No, they didn't wash their hands. So Robocop two and three, I watched those today. Uh, number two is not too bad. Uh, it's, like, I think RoboCop 1 is actually a genuinely good movie, like, really good. So, I think anything else, like, in the series pay, would pale in comparison. But RoboCop 2 is fine. Um, like, if you're really into RoboCop and you wanted just more, RoboCop 2 is not bad. Yeah. Um. As, so, as we said, it was partially written by Frank Miller. Like, I think he did, like story credit he gets story credits or something so i don't know what mm. that really entails like maybe he's just like i want to have a big robot that just has a spine and a brain in it like maybe that's enough yes to please. get credit <laughs> uh but yeah so robocop 2 uh kind of it kind of picks up like robocop's part of the police again but it's a little weird like you feel like at the end of the first one he kind of discovers his like humanity Right. At least a little bit, yeah. but in the at this in the second one, it's like kind of gone again. Like mm. people call him Murphy sometimes, but he's still like a programmed robot. So you're like, oh, that's a little weird. Um, and then there's like uh, Tom Noonan is there as a drug lord, which is pretty cool. Right. And uh, there's a shitty little kid who is also part of the drug cartel, um, and he's kind of annoying, but. Uh, Tom Newman's there and he's the bad guy. He's the big bad. And then later he get his brain and spinal cord get put into one of those, uh, Ed unit, or it's like a modified, uh, Ed like mixed with RoboCop. And then there was another thing that was weird. Like, so in this one, they're talking about like how they're trying to make another RoboCop and how they have all these new models, but they keep failing because of the people that they put into it. But it's like, why wouldn't they just, but they're all like different models. Why wouldn't they just do the same thing? Like RoboCop worked out. Uh, it just adds to the idea that uh, Murphy's special. He's unique. Yeah, so they, it's because otherwise it'd be like, why we can just make Robocops all day long, and they can be all over this, all over the world. Right. And so the idea is like, well, we have to make Robocop unique, and then you also get the added bonus of like, now we get to show all these horrific failed Robocops because obviously, like everyone would try to make more Robocops. Yeah. I just, I just see it as a uh, world building, RJ. 
world building. No, yeah, I know. It's like that's not a big issue for me. I was just like, yeah. uh, okay. But uh, no, I think uh, number two is actually pretty good. Uh, it's got some, it's got some decent like action scenes, and uh, it, there's like partial CGI kind of, or it might be stop motion, and it's not bad. Um, yeah. It's not distracting. So that that's pretty good. So I would say RoboCop Two is a recommend for anyone who wants more. Yeah, Ro- Robo. Well, I'll just say uh, RoboCop Two. I watched uh, or he watched, I guess, for the first time, uh, I guess, a couple of years ago, and I don't really remember much of it. Um, yeah. I, I kind of even forgot that Tom Noonan's like the the bad guy in that yeah. thing. Um, but yeah. I, I always thought that movie, like, it, it's like not, yeah, it's not bad. Like, it's like a decent action movie as far as like sequels mm-hmm. go. You could do a lot worse. Um, yep. Yeah. You could you could do worse. Uh, and you and you can and you did do worse because you watched RoboCop Three. Yeah, and RoboCop Three is a just a turd of a movie. It's really bad. Um, where do you even fucking start? Like, it's just all the same shit that was like the same conflicts they had in one and two are just brought up again. Where it's like OCP is rule or like they run the police and the police are had or have had it, so they want to they want to. Um, uh, the put the police on strike and they want to like take away the jobs and then it's like robocop who has like new directives again which is like so fucking weird because like you think he get got rid of all that stuff where it's like he couldn't do this he couldn't do that so there's like new things in this one and then there's more stuff where it's just like oh he's a machine baby like uh actually so the bad guy from billy madison uh he's in this one is like the bad guy and he's like he's a program you just change him to whatever you want. He's not a real human. But then everyone calls him like Murphy and it's like a whole big point about it. So it's just like, I don't know. I, by by the third one, it's just like so played out, I think, that it's not entertaining anymore. You don't have Peter Weller in it. You got Robert John Burke, who uh, <laughs> I, I only remember as being like uh, – a uh like a bad cop from uh, the person of interest tv show okay he's like a corrupt cop or something that's all i've ever seen that guy in and he kind of looks like peter weller like where his when your skin's all stretched out on a robot skull <laughs> he looks like um, that. he kind of looks like that um but he's not very good uh i don't know there's the ending is so like there's okay there's also like a Japanese company is buying out OCP or whatever, which is oh, like, of course, of like course it is. How nineties. Yeah. How nineties, very gung ho. Um, so they're like buying it out, but they don't want Robocop there either. So they send their, uh, samurai cowboy to go take care of things. And it's a dude who wears cowboy boots and spurs, uh, and has a samurai sword, but doesn't talk because he's a stoic Japanese guy. And then it's like, you get that that weird like side story and you're just like what is that about um and then at the end robocop has a fucking jetpack which was probably just for a toy that for a jetpack toy and he flies around fighting robot samurai or oh. samurai cowboys and uh, it's oh, you know you know what bad. you know what else robert john burke is in he's the main Why? character in thinner mm. i did not know that um well okay uh <laughs> I haven't seen Thinner, but I have read the books. So, uh, do they? So, do they put a fat suit on him, or was yeah. he? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course they do. That's like that's one of the legendary things yeah. about Thinner is his uh, hilarious bad uh, fat suit. I oh, I just know like when he's getting thinner, like oh thinner. Uh, they do like that thing where they draw on the makeup, so it makes it look like his cheeks are like hollow or yeah. sunken or something. But yeah, well, 
I guess there you go. Robert John Burke. Well, I'm pretty sure uh, Thinner doesn't have uh, jetpack propulsed uh, Robocop action either. Are you sure? Have uh, you read the book? Oh, I've watched the movie. Well, I've read the book, and the book is always better than the movie, and the book had a jetpack. Well, there you go. You, you never saw the gypsy flying around <laughs> the, in his gi- jetpack? The gypsy and he's jetpacks? Like, he's like thinner as he touches people's faces and shit. Oh, nope. Can't say as nope. I have, RJ. Ah, well, it doesn't matter. I think you might be telling stories. Yeah, but isn't that what life is? Telling a story. Sure. Anyways, RoboCop 3 sucks, uh, and I, I wouldn't recommend anybody watch that thing. Yeah, it's that, that's its rep. Um, though uh, two friends of mine, uh, I think they watched it, and they were like, it's not as bad as you would think. <laughs> but you seem it's, to run contrary to this. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm also I'm going off of the last two movies I watched were RoboCop, or RoboCop, which is amazing, RoboCop 2, which is pretty good. And then RoboCop 3, which is just not good. So mm-hmm. um, it was a huge decline, I guess. Are, are you gonna um, Are you gonna pursue the RoboCop lineage? Are you gonna watch the uh, the Delta City Adventures in the cartoon and uh, the the TV movies and the television series and 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 all the RoboCops? Are you gonna do that, RJ? Is that what your life's gonna become? You're gonna start nope. up a side podcast. <laughs> The RoboCop cast? Yeah. No, no, no. I already have my side podcast, which uh, I won't actually name. I was about to say it, but uh, I know someone will steal it. That's right. So <laughs> my slice of Americana can uh, wait for a different day. That's but, right. But uh, no, I, I'm never going to watch any of that shit again. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll probably definitely rewatch RoboCop uh, in a couple years for sure. I know I will. And I might even rewatch RoboCop 2 one day. Yeah. But uh, not none of that stuff, and surely not the remake, which uh, you just watched. Uh, yeah, I was like, man, should I even talk about th- that movie? Because well, I, I guess I should talk about it because there's no other reason for me to watch it other than so I could talk about it today. So you might as well. Um, yeah. Uh, so RoboCop 2014. Uh, it's directed by the Brazilian filmmaker who directed Bus 174, and he's directed these two movies that I've heard good things about, uh, like Elite Squad One and Two. Yeah. Um, apparently, they're good actioner movies, but uh, you wouldn't know that based on watching this movie because this movie feels like the worst kind of like committee filmmaking. Um, in right. some ways, you could say that it's a satire in itself because it's like the idea that a corporation comes together to build a RoboCop. <laughs> it's kind of mm-hmm. like a, a, a corporation came together to like remake a movie and to make money. And that's all this was designed to do because it's pretty lifeless, man. Yeah. Um, you've seen There's this. not a whole lot. I have seen this. Yeah. Uh, I saw that in the theater, Jared. Oh, dude. So, okay, I'll I'll touch on my notes here uh, very quickly. Uh, Bad fake-looking television, one of my pet peeves. I've talked about this many times. And I just like, yeah, so you get Samuel Jackson, who I didn't know was in this or I forgot was in it, uh, with his weird gray hair, kind of doing the Bill O'Reilly thing. Um, And he's just, he's not bad in it. Like, I kind of see where they were going with it. But it looks like junk and... Then it transitions into like Metal Gear Solid 4 land where we get like uh, future like 
basically it's like drones. We're all talking about drones. And uh, yeah. so now we use Ed 209s being deployed in Iran, which I guess we get the sense that it's been liberated, but the people there don't yeah. want to be liberated by robots. But nonetheless, the filmmakers decide, hey, we're going to have these like brown people, but we're not going to subtitle them to like explain their side of the story. They're just like rabid people talking randomly and they're going to blow up American robots. So it's kind of like played right. in this nebulous way and they never go back to that at all. They never touch on what was up with that setup. And it's like, that was actually kind of maybe a more interesting movie than them doing a RoboCop remake, but yeah, no, like whatever. So that, that pissed me off. Um, uh, let's see here. The, uh, there's my note about dehumanizing the Brown people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, like all good remakes have. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we get, uh, oh yeah. The new music, the, oh God, the remix of the music, the, the Basil music is just shit. It's like, it sounds so wrong. It's kind of like, um, when you listen to like the remixes of like the Halloween theme, like the, the classic John Carpenter Halloween and how they just start getting things wrong over time because people yep. start thinking, I have to put my own twist on it, but it's unnecessary. You don't need to put a twist on a classic. Stop it. Yep. So the music in this stinks. Uh, oh yeah. So there's mm-hmm. dirty cops because there's always gotta be, because that's one thing that was missing from the original movie. It was dirty cops dirty because cops. it's just, it's lazy. It's like every movie's got to have dirty cops in it because dirty cops exist but say sometimes we don't need to go down that route it's it's cliched um so the thing is where it diverges is uh murphy is an established cop he's not new on the scene he's just like he's he's in the middle of the case um i don't honestly so i don't even know the name of the actor who played robocop i don't care um he just seems like exactly like actor studio yeah who the hell is he he was in uh, Suicide Squad, Jarrett. He was Ric Flair. Of course he was, because he's generic in the leading yeah. man type. But like, there's nothing that like he has no qualities, none. Yeah, well, he's actually known for that hit uh, AMC show, The Killing, which so, I've never, which I've never watched. <laughs> well, there you go. But I think that's his big claim, and then because of that, he got RoboCop and suicide squad but i mean he's not really doing much else yeah oh hey you know the screenwriter for this he's got two films under his belt potentially he's has he has Mm -hmm. this and gambit oh the movie that's never fucking gonna come out ever yeah pretty much that that movie's dead uh because like channing tatum doesn't want to do it it's lost i think three are you you pronouncing it dead here november 16th November 16th. If that movie gets made, if this movie gets made, I'll eat my hat. Um, Three directors dropped out. Channing Tatum has like basically doesn't even acknowledge its existence anymore. And even last week, Fox said they're going to reboot all the X-Men movies after uh, Logan. So Uh, it's, it's, it's dead. Like it was supposed to come out uh, last year. Okay. And it's, it's hasn't even like started. (laughs) Fuck Gambit. So, uh, my notes here, handheld shaky camera-rama. It's just like, Uh, oh, it's just all over the time. It's like, it's making you feel intense, RJ, because you know what Robocop, the original, needed more of? It needed fucking handheld cameras. It's like, nope, didn't, it didn't. It's it's like you're, it's a cheap action movie thing that like they just throw in for no reason. Um, Oh, uh, at one point you actually get to see the current Criterion logo like on the screen, like multiple times. It's like a weird, like statistical backdrop in like Michael Keaton's like display room. Yeah. Uh, Cause Michael Keaton's the bad guy and he's yep. super bland. Um, it doesn't do much. What about uh, Jackie Earl Haley and Gary Oldman? 
Oh god, okay. I don't even star-studded cast. Yeah, Gary Oldman. I mean, is he in this movie just because he's he's in Batman Begins and like so he's Probably. like oh, so they oh, we'll get him in it because he adds gravitas. He's a great actor, and so he, when I so this is like all these remakes. So this, this is the he is, isn't he? He's in the Apes movie. Um, yeah, they just get him Batman. to do stuff. He's like him being in stuff because people say, oh, he's like the best part of Sid and Nancy. It's like, well, uh, was he like? It's like I don't know. I kind of uh, I I'm very wary of the, the Gary Oldman thing. Yeah. I know. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. So we. Oh yeah. Ugh. CGI spaces, which kind of goes back to the whole thing about like Beauty and the Beast uh, earlier in this episode, where just like yep. there's there's just a panning camera over Michael Keaton and Gary Oldman who are just standing in an empty green space, and the camera's just moving for no reason, even though there's nothing dynamic happening, but they don't want the audience to be bored. So the yeah. camera just moves and you compare this to like this like empty room of just two people standing in a boardroom, compare that to in Robocop, whenever you're in the boardroom, it's packed with people and there's a bunch of people all like busy because it's actually an active space. And the time that when there's only two characters standing in the room is because it's late at night, not the middle of the day. Um, and you know, it's like, oh, there's a reason why, because now the space is empty because something illegal is happening. Like it actually has like a purpose. Whereas this is just like, this is dramatic. And we have two characters standing in rooms because it's just like TV and other dramatic TV shows. It's, yeah. it's again, lazy, uh, uninspired filmmaking. Um, yeah. Moving camera for no fucking reason. Oh, uh, yeah. CGI fire. One of my favorites because Murphy gets blown up instead of like mowed down horrifically in a memorable yeah, way. So he, he, he just gets like killed like offhand. We don't even see like a buildup of him, like getting the car. like, there's no tension. He just walks and then his car gets blown up. And then he, yep. then there's a thing where, do you want your husband to be alive and be a Robocop? And then she's like, okay, I won't see him again. And so then, yeah. then, then he's just Robocop. There's no like crazy, like montage of like the process. There's no, like nothing sinister. There's no flavor. There's no texture like to anything. Like there's nothing to care about. Yeah. It's so bland. Um, and I, I made a note, the director must be better than this. But who knows? Like based on this movie, like it just seems like he had nothing to do with this, and they were making the movie they wanted to make anyway. It's like everything yeah. that like people criticize the Marvel movies about. But I mean, at least you can I could imagine what the Marvel movies look like in my head, off the top of my head, even then they're, they're bland. This movie though is just like hideously like for like there's nothing like no one gives a crap yeah. about this movie. This is going to be no one's favorite movie. And I checked, there is one fan of this on letterbox and it's like, obviously a fake abandoned account that isn't real. Oh. So this movie has no fans. Screw you fucking Robocop Robo 2014. We better make it black. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Another note of just big empty rooms with two people talking. Um, oh yeah. No one has ever asked about the inner workings of RoboCop. So there's this like prolonged little like minute or so where they're explaining the science of RoboCop. Like, how does he live? How does he get calories? And like, I'm like, no one cares. Yeah. No one cares about that. Like, that's nobody like, cares. It's like, what's, you know, it's again, RJ's world building. Um, and then there's, uh. and then we get Robo angst. We get, uh, Murphy like, oh, I'm, I'm struggling because like now we have the family, which, uh, in the original movie, they just abandoned that shit. There's no, like, you touch upon it in flashback, but you don't actually see the yeah. family. They're just gone. They're, Nobody they're just, really cares. No one cares. Exactly. They care about people getting torn apart by 50 caliber bullets and people mm. being running into toxic waste dumps. They don't care about uh, pathopathos in their goddamn RoboCop movie. Like, no. No, not at one bit. Um, the disconnect of what Hollywood screenwriters think matter. Pathos lol. Uh, oh, yeah, we get a weapon scene like James Bond. 
We get a scene where he gets to pick oh, out yeah. his weapon and stuff. I'm like, oh, good, because someone watched, uh, thinks that's a great idea um, because the studio owns James Bond or some garbage. Who, who knows? Uh, my compliment <laughs> is the costume isn't as bad as people would claim it is just because it's not the iconic costume. The costume actually looks good. I think it's like yeah. they, go, they go the black route, which is kind of dumb. But, I mean, in the context of like the militarization, like you would, why would Robocop be bright and silver and glimmering? Um, it doesn't yeah. make, make practical sense in that like stupid, gritty, realistic way that the world is but at the same time you're sure. making a robocop movie and i don't know that's uh i mean i, I didn't think the costume was near as bad as people say it. that's like the furthest mm-hmm. thing from the a problem with this movie um and then i just wrote this sucks <laughs> and then i wrote yep. uh, my last comment because oh i have two though uh people who commit crime or stand around in public and cheer that is the entire world of the detroit in this movie there's two uh-huh. types of people who are like the citizens there's the people who commit crimes and then there's the people who just stand around and cheer robocop that's it mm-hmm. that's all the population is made up of uh another failing and then like just like the general like weirdness of this movie like ending as abruptly as it does it kind of reminded me of yeah. uh because it's been a while since I watched Iron Man, but like the whole thing where it's like, uh, it's like Robocop fighting Jeff Bridges on top of a building. This is kind of like, we get that, but it's like not even like remotely exciting. It's just Robocop shows up to arrest Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton has the OCP cannot be arrested uh, clause yeah. in his programming. But instead of like paying off to that, no, Robocop just like forces himself to fire his taser gun because that's exciting. And he just like shoots, kills Michael Keaton with one shot. And that's the end of the movie. And it's just over. And then like you, then you get this thing with Samuel Jackson yelling at like the future people for like not changing the law about allowing drones to be sold in America. And Mm -hmm. that's the end of the movie. And it's like, Oh, Robocop's fine folks offhand. And that's, that's the movie. And it's just like, what a waste of time. This movie's like 20 minutes longer than like the first movie. It doesn't do anything with it except for like add, I don't know, the family scenes. Mo- moving cameras and like about yeah. kids being ang- like his son being anxious and being fearful and like CGI re- readouts and crap. This movie is junk. Yep. You heard it here first. Yeah. Remake is junk. Um, well, we're running long, so you know what? Uh, it's time to hit our our favorite moment of any episode, guys. Who hates this movie? And that is <laughs> RoboCop, the original. Um, so right. one star from 10BJ. Uh, I yeah. I had a RoboCop toy back in the 90s. Parents probably bought it for a dollar because it stopped working after a few days. So fuck that toy and fuck this film. I'm not sure if that was just a way to get like a doll bought that for a dollar joke in there. Um, yeah, that seems unfair to the movie just because you were bad or you don't know how to use a toy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That's his problem. Yeah. Not the movies. Uh, one and a half star by Chronic. Uh, mostly such trash. Mostly just just trash oh my god mostly i'm gonna read what they wrote mostly such trash it's unbearable to watch in addition to being unintentionally comical unintentionally comical Uh. yet there is some charm to it the brutality is the most solid part about robocop uh one and a half stars by michelle uh, bupro (laughs) i want to see the upcoming remake for this so i figured i should watch the original to give me perspective can't imagine it being too hard for the new one to top this snore. I did love Kurtwood Smith hamming it up to high hell as the villain, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one and a half star by MVD Broke. A classic, but not superb. 
One one and a half stars. Uh, what? Yep. Uh, two stars by Cactus Matt. Ultra-violent action film is grim to the point of depression. Cheap effects have dated poorly, and most of the characters oh. are woolly unlikable. Like, cheap effects? It's like, goddamn. Yeah. Like, Robocop looks amazing still. He looks amazing. All the practical effects are good. The only thing you could say is cheap is maybe the claymation thing at the end. And I even like that, man. Like, these people are so fucking petty. What do they want? Uh, and then one and a half star here from Evanston Dad. Uh, a surprisingly nasty and off-putting action film from 1987. Uh, they, they basically <laughs> review like, okay, an intelligent screenplay would have used this setup to explore some moral questions about man versus machine or nature oh. versus mechanization. At the Fuck very off. least, it would have explored the psyche of Weller's character a bit more, examining the act of killing from the point of view of someone who's neither completely human nor completely mechanical. But this isn't an intelligent film. So it opts instead to wallow in sadistic and graphic violence. By the end of the film, whole scenes are being set up for the sole purpose of seeing people flayed, dismembered, immersed in toxic waste, and killed in other splatter porn variations. It's a film that invites you to enjoy it as a bit of escapism and then makes it difficult to have fun with it. That's bullshit. Grade this guy, C minus. <laughs> this guy's talking about an intelligent film. All the shit he just named is like super cliched stuff that gets like Done dumped in, badly. dumped into movies. Like it's like, yeah, man versus machine. Fuck off. Like that, go watch transcendence with a Johnny Depp where his <laughs> consciousness gets put into fucking satellite dishes. There's your man versus machine. Just yeah. like ham fistedly delivered to you. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's like I think he he just doesn't he doesn't see like what they did at all. He he wants like things that are obviously like obviously laid out to him, not like subtle in actual intelligent filmmaking. Damn right. Fuck <sighs> him. Well, yeah, I think that concludes our uh, discussion of RoboCop. Sure does. RoboCop is a good time for all. Um, yeah. It's a recommend. And hey, after the break, we're going to talk some more. How does that Woo! sound? Yeah, that's what I yeah. thought. Yeah. No. I might come back. Fair enough. Robocop needed more of RJ. Uh, people taking dumps. It needed more of uh, that guy who played Rorschach. Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. I like Jackie Earl Haley, man. <laughs> I don't know. I know he. Well, he he got a bad rap because he gets cast in remakes like Robocop and Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. and that porno movie. Like, come on. I think he's okay. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's just uh, I don't know. There's that movie uh, Little Children. And he plays like a pedophile in it. That was the first time I'd ever seen him in anything. And I thought, hey, he's 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 going into uh, Dylan Baker's territory. I mean, what the hell's up with that? Um, and then and then he started getting cast in like he used to be the creepy guy. And I'm like, oh, yeah. poor poor man. I I I'm glad I'm not like the creepy guy actor. He was in a uh, Breaking Away, that cycling movie from the '80s. Oh. So that's one of roommate Scott's favorite movies. Yeah. Anyways, hey, you know what RoboCop really needed more of? What? 
dudes taking hot dumps. <laughs> I don't know where they would have fit that all in amongst all the oh, there's, action. There's so many fucking scenes for that. Like, just have a scene of RoboCop on the toilet. Just put it in there. Uh, we'll wait till RoboCop 2017 comes out. Excellent. Yeah, and then you can be, then you can see it all. But hey, yeah. folks, you can follow us on Twitter at Criterion Creeps. You can email us at CriterionCreeps at gmail.com. It's been a while, folks. Come on, share some love. Let us know you're out mm-hmm. there. Let's hear from some new people, okay? But we'll hear from some the old blood. people, too. Yep. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan, and he's Barnloaf. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, rate, subscribe, listen, just listen. And Just hey, listen. and hey, if you see people talking about Criterion movies, maybe mention, hey, there's this real sweet podcast by a couple of guys, and they like to talk about Robocop for two and a half hours. So check and them out. And hot dumps. Yeah. Don't forget that, baby. Hey, and uh, hey, next week, we're, we're still uh, staying on this train of watching these movies, and we've got spine number 24 coming our way, and we're heading back to Japan, RJ, and we're meeting Ooh. up with our good friend Akura Kurosawa once again. And uh, we're going to be watching his film, High and Low, from 1963. Right on, man. I'm ready. Yes. we all? Uh, it's been a while since I watched this movie, and I remember it being really, really good. So I'm hoping hmm. that my memory implants aren't tricking me or anything. I don't. I've never trusted your opinion, so I'll probably hate this. Well, do you trust my memory implants? Um, on, on, on certain days. Okay. Well, folks, that's it. Uh, hope you listen all through. It's a slog, but that's the way we like it, and hopefully you do too. Mm-hmm. 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 So, till next time. Bye. Oh, uh, uh, uh.